With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we got some FBI whistleblowers. They've come out and they've said that the FBI top brass told them not to investigate Hunter Biden and his laptop because they didn't want to influence an election. So instead, just let a crooked guy win, I guess. It's shocking, but um, probably not shocking to a lot of people. The idea, I guess, is that they're concerned in 2016 when they did the whole Hillary Clinton email thing, they may have swayed an election. Well, here you go. They were instructed not to investigate. So we will be talking about that. Plus, Marjorie Taylor Greene got swatted. Yup, dude, swatting is an attempted murder, as far as I'm concerned, because people have died it may not be as direct of a threat or act of terror as like literally showing up to say like Brett Kavanaugh's house, but it is extreme. And if we're getting to that point where individuals are targeting sitting members of Congress in such a way, I got to tell you, man, look, January 6th was bad. It was a riot, but this is direct targeting of a politician. It, it's, 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 it's all in this space of dramatic escalation. Turns out, according to police, it's being reported the individual who swatted Marjorie Taylor Greene was a trans rights activist. So We'll be talking about that uh, and, and, and so much more. Crazy days. Donald Trump is celebrating that he's got all of his endorsements won. Hmm. Even Democrats. Congratulations, Trump. You endorsed Democrats and they won, I guess. Sure, whatever. And I must say, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, because we're going to have an epic members-only show tonight after the live show. So if uh, uh, you want to hang out, see the uncensored, not so family friendly version that will be at 11 p.m. over at TimCast.com. As a member, you're directly supporting our work. You'll get access to the Cast Castle vlog Tuesdays at seven. We actually we actually just filmed a really funny bit involving chickens, but maybe we'll talk about. No, we shouldn't give it away. And um, we also have tales from the inverted world. We were able to film an amazing bit for Cast Castle with our uh, current guest, James Lindsay. Is it Dr. James Lindsay? It is. Dr. James Lindsay. It's a little embarrassing these days, though, to admit that you stayed in academia that long. Nah, and you got a PhD. So uh, for those that don't know who you are, who are you? I'm Dr. James Lindsay. <laughs> That's concise. Okay. I like it. I, well, that I, explains I, it. Tim, I'm dead. I died. They kicked me off of Twitter. That's it. That's your, it. Your digital self is gone. That's right. R.I.P. me. Rip James. You want to pull that microphone up a little bit? Sure. Get, Rip get James? I always Real do this. Yeah, Rip James. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's it. He was uh, sword fighting. That's what uh, Lydia said. Lydia 70s. said that I'm jacked. That's so. right. It's getting jacked. Working on getting it. Okay, jacked. so Great. I criticize woke stuff. I read Marxism. I tell people what, what Marxist books say, and I criticize woke as a form of Marxism. I call it woke Marxism, as a matter of fact. That's huh. not a joke. I know there's a lot of joking involved in what I say and do, but... Like, critical race theory is basically woke Marxism. I wrote a book in February called Race Marxism that's about critical race theory. So, yeah. Um, Right now, I'm doing education theory. I'm going through that. I'm diving into this so-called queer theory, which, guess what I would think of it as? Queer Marxism. um, Yeah, there you go. Yeah, whole thing. So... That, it, I think everybody knows who I am, actually. Yeah, everyone, everyone. Because I've been struck down like Obi Wan, yeah, which yeah. made me much stronger. <laughs> yes. Of course, I sense <laughs> your presence. Yeah. Well, I knew you could. <laughs> thanks for coming. We also have Hannah Claire Brimelow. She's hanging out. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brimelow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I'm Ian Crossland. Also happy to be here. What's up, everybody? James, looking forward to finding out why you got banned from Twitter. I'm still shocked, still reeling. <laughs> let's let's talk more about that in a bit. 
we will get into it for sure. I am back this evening. My hand is still incredibly crippled. Oh, you can't see it. There you go. And sore off my little T-Rex arm. Let's get going. Yikes. <laughs> Lydia got surgery. I did. Brutal. Yeah, they broke um, it again and they put bolts in it. Super oof. metal. Were you awake for that? No, no, no. I, I made them knock me out. I was like, that? goodbye. How, what was it like? You just like fell asleep? Yeah, no. it was great. It's great. I just drifted right. off. That's, that that freaks back. me out, you know? Yeah. Like when you're going for surgery, it's like, what happens? Do you like do you dream while they're it's a nap. chopping? It's, it's a nap. I woke I up did, in a yeah. surgery once. Ooh, no. no don't what? I've heard that. people just, doing that with their wisdom teeth. Yeah, it was my wisdom teeth. Yeah. Yeah. I was not put under for that. Man, oh gosh, I, I woke up and the, like they were like hammering to break the, the – I don't know if you knew they break your wisdom teeth yeah, to get them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't put under for that. And the guy started like laughing. Like I was like – I couldn't talk. My mouth was like clamped open. and Could you feel it? Uh, I felt pressure, like the yeah. hitting, but no, it didn't hurt. Oh and the when guy I... starts laughing, and he's like, night, night. And you could see him like grab <laughs> oh the thing, and he gave me more drugs. And uh, man, I was like, I came out of that surgery messed up for like a day. No yeah, when I got a I, one of my, a couple of my wisdom teeth were, were taken out very methodically and professionally, mm-hmm. and I Pulled. was uneventful. But one was impacted, and the mm-hmm. dude had a chisel and was like bashing oh, it. Yeah. 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 And intense. I was like, no, no, no. That's horrible. I was anyway. Under, I was under for mine. All of mine were impacted. And when I woke up, I was really stressed out, probably coming out of the anesthesia, but like requested adamantly that they return my teeth to Please me. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I was like very distressed. That they're hilarious. like, they're broken. I was like, I need them. I need them. I don't know. Return what you have <laughs> stolen from me. me. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, we got some uh, news, man. Let's talk about the story we got from the New York yeah. Post. FBI brass warned agents off Hunter Biden laptop due to 2020 election, according to whistleblowers. FBI officials told agents not to investigate first son Hunter Biden's infamous laptop for months, vowing that the bureau was, quote, not going to change the outcome of the election again, according to whistleblower claims made public by uh, Wednesday by Senator Ron Johnson. These new allegations provide even more evidence of FBI corruption and renew calls for you to take immediate steps to investigate the FBI's actions, regardless of the laptop, Johnson wrote in a letter to uh, Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz. According to the senator, individuals with knowledge had told his office that local FBI leadership had slow walked the laptop investigation after the computer was recovered from a Wilmington, Delaware repair shop in December of 2019. We got this story from the examiner. Jim Jordan says more FBI whistleblowers are coming forward every other week. Here's where it gets crazy. The FBI said not to investigate very serious crimes, which literally involved the man running. And, there, and, and there, the excuse was, we don't want to interfere in election. It's like, no, you're literally interfering. You're, you're, you're pausing your job, not bringing criminal justice accountability to a corrupt family because the person's running for office. At the same time, right now, Donald Trump, who we all know is going to be running, is having his home raided by the FBI, and they're cheering for it. So very clearly, I just, I, can I just... What's the, what's, what's the word for, you know, when we've done uh, hundreds of shows, thousands of segments, and we just talk about political civil war, conflict, weaponization of the DOJ, all of that stuff. And like this is it certainly should be a, a cold splash of water in the face of the average person. And if this doesn't do it for you, like to somebody and they don't believe it, they're, they're, there's no there's no change in their minds. You actually have the FBI whistleblower saying we were told not to investigate a Hunter Biden laptop, which includes Joe Biden. Meanwhile, Donald Trump currently right now is having his home raided. Okay, there you go. It's busted. What do we do? We're do, do what we do, which is, I pledge pointed out, doing nothing is a form of doing something. Often sitting by and watching evil take place is an active thing you do. So 
they certainly influence the election by not getting involved or by choosing to ignore it. That's a form of influence. Like it would be if uh, let's say there's a house on fire and uh, it's got evidence of a crime in it. And the firefighters are like, I'm not going to put that fire out because then somebody might find that evidence and use that against the person who lives there. So we rather just let the place burn down, I guess. That makes no sense. The FBI, their law enforcement, they're supposed to say, we will stop criminal activity. This means Hunter Biden could have been actively engaged in criminal activity for a year. And the FBI was like, well, you know, but, uh, you know, Joe Biden's going to run for office, so we better just let him do it. There you go. Welcome to uh, what's 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 the word for it? What do we what do we call this era in American history? Is there a word we can use? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's just such a like partisan play, right? We don't want to influence an election depending on who's running and also who we don't want to run. It's mm-hmm. just so strange and open. I am surprised that the FBI uh, isn't. I, I was really surprised when the obvious answer after Mar-a-Lago was people being people being like. We don't know that we trust the FBI. Why are we letting this organization run this way? And the response was, no, you can't say that about this giant government institution. Like, it seems like it's clearly um, biased to favor Democrats right now and to protect Democrats who might be uh, conducting or, or uh, acting illegally, but obviously par- uh, choosing to investigate Trump and other Republicans. It's just how can you even trust the system when it's so obviously biased? But they don't care. No, they don't. I think what they're really trying to do is protect the liberal economic order, which is this global, you know, thing we've had since 1946, basically to prevent World War Three. They and whether I don't think it. I don't personally think it's like a Democrat Republican thing. I think they're trying to hold up the old order. I I I, I disagree somewhat. Mm -hmm. I I agree that there are powerful interests and entities that clearly want the liberal international economy to stay afloat, but. you know, people are chatting about Sam Harris as a good example of exactly what is going on here. Sam Harris, he said the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. He should, he, he, and then he tried walking it back because he realized what he was saying, what he was admitting to. He said he did, he would not care if Hunter Biden had the corpses of children in his basement. It's like you realize who's giving this guy money and who's funding this and like what that investigation would actually lead to, but they don't care. This is, this is, they're psychopaths. I, I I don't know. Like, what's what's the mental uh, Trump derangement syndrome? Is 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 that the the uh, official diagnosis? You have people who are like Sam Harris, literally saying Hunter Biden could be abusing and murdering kids, but Trump once once had a university, and that's worse. He actually said those words. He said, "I wouldn't care if they were corpses of children in Hunter Biden's basement." What Trump did with Trump University was way worse than anything he could, Hunter Biden could have done, and it's like what. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Like yeah, the, the worst case scenario is Trump no. opened a fake university and ripped some people off. And that's worse than Joe Biden funneling U.S. taxpayer money to, to Ukraine and getting us involved in war and surrendering in Afghanistan. 
among other things. Um, <laughs> among a few other things. I mean, so you ask, what is what is this this period in America's history called? It's the attempted, uh, hopefully attempted, color revolution of the United States. Mm-hmm. Weimar America? I mean, well, one wishes, actually. It's worse than that. It's it's exactly the same kind of thing they pulled in Ukraine a couple, you know, like 2014 or whatever. We're talking about a, a revolution. They, they are yeah. attempting to take over the country illegitimately. In I would, my opinion. I, yeah, and what I was saying uh, earlier is, uh, you know, I've talked about civil war, but I should revise that. Because civil war implies two factions competing. Right now, it just looks like it's a revolution. So, you you know, you look at Soviet Russia, you look at Germany. Those were, those were not civil wars. The political conflict ultimately resulted in one faction just instantly winning without a civil war. So to be a bit more pessimistic, the result of everything that's going on would be revolution. But I, I do kind of feel like they're losing... So I do too, and so I mean another way that we could characterize this, since you have me here and I talk about Marxist theory all the time, is that what we're actually living through is kind of the the logic of this essay from 1965 called repressive tolerance. I bring this up a million times. I brought it up here before, but the logic of repressive tolerance is that the left must be tolerated at any. This is actually you can look up the essay itself. It's the thesis statement. We must extend tolerance to the left. We must not extend tolerance to the right. They say that this includes the level of violence. Marcuse, Herbert Marcuse is the one who wrote this in 65. He said, you know, it's never ethical to engage in violence, but since when does, when does ethics make history? And so he excuses violence, and he has a long paragraph where he mentions violence like 13 times. And he says there's a big difference between revolutionary violence and reactionary violence. And what the deal is, we must extend tolerance to the left and not to the right. And he says to the point with the right that what you're actually trying to stop, and this is a Hunter Biden story, right? What you're trying to stop is the thought from entering the potential reactionary's mind. He says that it involves not just censorship, but pre-censorship. You don't even want the right wing, which is everybody who's not a revolutionary on the left is the right wing, by the way. You don't even want the thought to enter their mind that would allow anything except left wing power to take control. And so we live in the logic of that essay. I would guess that our Department of Justice and our FBI have taken this horrifically totalitarian document from the 60s as an instruction manual. And what you see then is you see this uh, cracking down on President Trump, which, by the way, I was on a flight recently to California. I'm sitting next to a lifelong, she's in her you know, 70s, lifelong California liberal, married to a professor, the whole thing, right? So you're thinking some leftist. She starts talking about Trump. She's like, well, first, she asked me what I do. I said, I go around, I talk about Marxism, I study Marxism. She's like, well, I don't know anything about Marxism. And I'm thinking that's why you probably support it. Uh, yeah. But um mm-hmm. She says that uh, she's asking me, do you think Trump's a dictator? I think he might have been an attempted dictator, this whole thing. And then she says, but this raid on his house was too far. So you talk about shaking people loose and and freaking people out. She's like, this isn't what we do in America. Like, they shouldn't have raided his house. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's something. Now, I heard a a podcast with, like, a literal neo-communist, one of the people that's in league with that literal neo-communist that AOC shared a megaphone with after uh, Samara Taylor or whatever her name is, after the Roe v. Wade decision. And um, this podcast was with an educator who's also an open communist, Henry Giroux, who, like, changed all of American education to be what it is today. And in that podcast, she's like, the very fact that they raided his house means that there must be evidence that he's done all this wrong stuff. And I was like, wow, the dividing line in our society is people who think the institutions are still legitimate, like Sam Harris, and people who don't, uh, who who have questions at least about them. Well, so I, I often, uh, I eschew the left-right paradigm. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's what my Wikipedia says about me. And then, uh, you know, people argue, but Tim talks about the left and the right all the time. And I'm like, they're colloquial terms that don't really reference politics. They reference, as you, I, I think you put it well, revolutionary 
And I don't I don't think reactionary, to be completely honest, because um, there are reformers. Right, right. right. You know, with, with, the, with the, the, the leftists view everybody except themselves as, as reactionaries, as right. the right. And literally as like right wing extremists, which, of course, we hear from our military. We hear from uh, yeah. the DOJ, et cetera. I often uh, say it's the those who are discerning and those who are not. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. simply put. There are people who will hear information and say, I'll check into that. And there are people who hear information and go, whoa. That's crazy. That, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> crazy. And so then you end up with um, Michael Brown. And they go, whoa, that's crazy. And then we go, <laughs> what's the report say? Oh, the report says, hands up, don't shoot, wasn't true. Then you get people who are like, Jesse Smollett. Whoa. And then we're <laughs> like, okay, that sounds nuts. Like right away when the story came out, we were like, dude, Trump supporters at 3 a.m. In, sub, in, in, in freezing weather in Chicago <laughs> in a work district, not a residential one, attacking a D-list celebrity, I really don't believe. I stayed in that hotel in January. It was like 8 degrees. I had COVID. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was – no, sorry. It was like minus 8 degrees. It let was, me – no, nobody's getting attacked there. Let me give yeah. you a really good example, actually. <laughs> and um, I want to I shout out to our, our good friend Vosh, actually. Oh, and um, that's only half – Vosh, you know Vosh, right? Yeah, Vush. Vush. It's only half sarcastic. I do respect that he was willing to come on the show, though we disagree with him. But he tweeted, I delayed paying off my student loans just in case debt relief got passed. And now I find out you're not eligible if you're a famous YouTuber who makes $1 million a day, honestly. And he's obviously joking. So I responded with, OMG, this is exactly the left. Vosh is rich and wants free money. This is proof Biden is a communist. Mm -hmm. Very clearly, we're both just being silly. Yeah. But... Wow, the responses from people who instantly believed I was telling, like, there are people on the left who believed Vosh was being serious, and they're going, he makes a million dollars a day, and there are people responding to me, and they're like, look (laughs) at these right-wing grifters, look what they're saying, and it's just like, that's it right there. Did you know if he gave a million dollars a day to people, then America could be, everybody could have a million dollars. He's the one stopping You know, It's all Vosh's fault. You know what I love the most, though, is when someone says, like, they're like, what do they say? Um, Michael Bloomberg spent $500 million on the election. Oh there are 300 million people living in this country. He could have given everyone a million dollars. It's like, great. do your math again. Well, millions is a unit. 60 million. Yeah, right, right. You, know, like you have 10 million. eggs and everybody could have eggs. It's, it's, millions is just a unit. Yep. It's simple. And so this is, you know, to, so to go back to your point, you know, you're mentioning it's the people who trust the institutions, people who don't. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's all part of it. Um, I refer to it as a cult. It is a cult. It's a hundred percent a cult. I would love to talk about how, like, not just religious but cultish. Uh, this whole like, whether we want to deal with woke, whether we want to deal with like this kind of like leftist derangement cult. Like Sam Harris has, I would guess. I don't know. I I've been out with him, but once. But I, I I can't guess his mind. But I would suppose he has a group of people to whom he's very interested in maintaining their esteem. Yeah. And there are. Let me tell you, as you would also be able to tell people. There are certain things that you just can't espouse and then before people decide they don't like you anymore. Like people just they think you've lost your mind, they think that you've uh that you're a terrible person, they dissociate from you. And But that's mostly on the left. Like it's it a li- is. It it exists on the right for sure. A little bit, yeah. but I mean it's the exception. How did one get here? <laughs> it's right. The, yeah, so you know, I've it's been cut off. I've been I've been canceled from all kinds of people, people I thought were friends, you know, all sorts of stuff. Because, well, what did I do? I said that maybe Trump is an all right 
candidate for Trump's president. Trump's not that bad. Maybe Orange Man good, you know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe making America great again is a good idea because it's kind of a, on the descent right now if we don't kind of curb some of these things. I, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I've been talking about music lately because we're releasing this song. And uh, it's fresh in my mind. So for those that are wondering, it's like, why is Tim bringing it up again? Well, it's like it's in my mind. We're working on this project. And uh, I tweeted this today. Like, there are people who are scared to th- say things they like. And that's weird to me. So Nickelback is a really good example um, because everybody jokes about how awful Nickelback is. It's like, dude, they have 10, six top 10. Oh, I'm sorry. They have six top 10s on Billboard Hot 100. And they have one Billboard Hot 100 number one for four weeks. For one month, they had a song on the number the number one song. Like, people clearly like Nickelback. Yeah. But it became a meme where it was like, you weren't cool if you admitted to liking them. Well, that's because they went huge. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'll, but I'll say this. You know, so I was like, people clearly like them. Not really my jam. I've never been like a fan of them. But I. But they did a cover of Devil Went Down to Georgia, which is mind-blowingly good. It's one of the best covers of the song I've ever heard. The guitar playing is out. crazy. The vocals are fantastic. They're, they cut the chorus out, though, and I'm like, mm, come on, man. Charlie, you know, Charlie Daniels' band, it's a classic song. But it was really, really good. It's amazing. I got no problem saying that. And there are people tweeting at me being like, this explains it. Aha. Uh-huh. He admits it. And I'm like, do you think I care? I genuinely enjoy that song. I will tell you that. Yeah. I'm not worried about you not liking me because you do nothing for my life. There's a term for this. What is it? It's preference falsification. Mm. It's that in order to appear socially acceptable, you falsify your actual preferences. Yeah. That you, you like a Nickelback cover or song or band, period. But you know that the people you're talking to will think you're not cool if you do that. And so you falsify your preferences as that's, a, that's as, crazy as a to social me. maneuver. That's crazy to me. And I actually think that people like Sam Harris falsified their preferences, or maybe they didn't, but maybe they just got sucked in by the psyops. But a lot of people falsified their preferences about Trump to the point where they believed it. Mm-hmm. Like it drove them. If you live in crazy town for long enough, you go crazy. I mentioned this the other day a couple times, a video of a woman asking three women, what is a woman? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it was met while she responded. These women all clearly know what a woman is, but they're trying to reconcile the definition with what they're allowed to say. That's right. Yeah. So it's like def- definition falsification or something. Um, a lot of people miss, by the way, the big point of what is a woman. Uh, a lot of people don't understand what that's about. And just to point out, Kentonji Brown-Jackson actually told us when Marshall Blackburn caught her out, said, what is a woman? She said, oh, I don't know. Do I look like a biologist or whatever it was she said exactly about invoking an expert? Mm-hmm. What she said is, I can't answer that question without asking an expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, we can't answer simple questions about reality without an expert telling us what the right answer is. Correct. And that's scary as hell because that's super power grab territory. Yep. Right. And that's exactly what they are, are doing by, by undermining definitions, by undermining people's ability to say what's real and, and not real or, you know, use words and have them mean things. You mentioned this woman on the plane, right? You're saying? Yeah. And she said the raid on Trump went too far. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a point where... You know, Sam Harris, let, let, me slow, let me slow down, go to Sam Harris. He's got the most severe TDS I have ever seen. That woman does not. She's probably a normal person and just passively absorbs information and thinks Trump is bad because she's just hearing it. But then when she hears something crosses the line, she made up her mind. That's too much for me. Sam Harris told us there could be corpses of children in the basement of Hunter Biden. He wouldn't care. And he it's compared like, oh. him to an asteroid that's going to destroy the Earth. Mm-hmm. Then that's, the, that's, like the next psychotic. that's that's lunacy like like not not only is that just on its face laughably crazy but even if trump really was hitler and like the worst dictator possible would never amount to an asteroid 
smashing into earth and wiping out all life as we know it. Yeah. Like bad dictator, bad. We deal with bad dictator. Certainly is not an asteroid coming to wipe out the planet, rip through its core and blow it up. He's speaking in hyperbole for sure. I mentioned to you, it seems like he has like either he needs friends or he's got a group of insulated friends and he's in an echo chamber and he needs like people to listen to him and tell him when he's being an idiot. Sam, you went too far. That you know, I know you were being hyperbolic when you said that stuff. I, I, he tried walking like, in the ex- Would have exa- cared if Hunter had kids in his basement. Of course he would. No, have but cared. Hyper- I disagree. Being hyperbolic is like exaggerating something to prove a point. Whereas, like, that was a really strange thing to just state. Like, I don't think that qualifies as hyperbole because I think he's being honest. What was happening you know, you know, is he you, said, "I wouldn't have cared if if Hunter had." Uh, chill, dead children in his basement. I would not have cared in brackets as much, uh, or I wouldn't have cared. I, I, I think it's simpler than in that. In brackets, I, I see what you're saying, but I think it's simpler. I think it's. You mentioned he's got a, he's got a group of people he's trying to pander to. He's doing this public interview. He wants them to hear it, whoever they are, and so he has to keep one upping his position. He has to be bigger, stronger, better. And in this line of thinking, it's Trump is bad. We must stop Trump by any means necessary. In order to pander to those people, he has to constantly expand upon his position. Now he's at the point where he's like, dead kids don't care. Huh? Just got to stop Trump. He's an asteroid. It's kind of like how incrementally the Nazis started. First, they didn't like Jews. Then they started taking their businesses away. Then they started shipping them out. Then they started shipping them to camps. And they started killing them. Like how it incrementally got worse and worse. So the same with Sam's mind seems to have incrementally, according to what you're now, saying. Imagine people in politics crazy. or the FBI doing that. And this is the story we have. The FBI going like, well, we can't go after Hunter. Oh, but Donald Trump, he had documents, even though he has, you know, you, you, like unilateral declassification powers. Yeah, you said Did something. Did you see the thing that, he, that they, they put out that huge list of items? And one of the things that was contraband was, a, was a, I guess, an illegal cocktail napkin from the White House. They had, <laughs> had a cocktail napkin. But didn't the Clintons like move furniture out of the White House? Like this was like one of the famous things they had to return stuff to the residents. They had moved stuff out. Like I don't know. We're not I, supposed to know anything about what oh, Hillary sorry. Clinton did. Nobody knows I, anything I, about I, Hillary Clinton. I want to I get your thoughts on this, James. We have this story from Fox 5 Atlanta. Marjorie Taylor Greene was victim of swatting at Rome residence. Police confirm. So uh, this, is, this is a terrifying story. It is. That a bunch of ballots have reported this is a prank, a swatting. For those that aren't familiar, I think most of you are, but just in case, is when someone calls the police and says there's a violent crime currently taking place so that a SWAT team shows up to your house and prank. potentially kills you. People have died from this. And it's horrifying. I, I can't imagine. There's a story about this guy. Cops surround his house. He, he has no idea what's going on. He comes out armed. The cops shoot and kill him. Imagine, first of all, that guy being the victim, having no idea why the cops are at your house. Then think about you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's worse, but that cop. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Who was told there's a guy who had to murder his wife or something. We need you to save her life. And he shows up and he's like, I got to stop this guy. And then it turns out someone tricked you into killing an innocent man. Talk about the nightmare scenario that swatting is. And they went after Marjorie Taylor Greene's house. This is, uh, it, it was, look, I'm going to, it was a trans activist. This is the reporting was. They told the police that the reason they did it was because they oppose her position on, on trans uh, kids. 
because Marjorie Taylor Greene recently introduced a bill that would make it a felony to give transgender surgery or medication to children. So I'm, I'm curious too, uh, James, because you talk about revolution and where we're at. Where does this fit in with, you know, their, their power grabs, the power structures? Like, what is what is this? Okay, so just to mention, by the way, the last time I actually talked to Marjorie like a month ago, and that's exactly, this is exactly the subject, not swatting, but but trans activism and and the surgeries and everything to the children is exactly what we talked about. So it's kind of funny. I like Marjorie. Um, So what's going on here is uh, kind of an unbridled demonstration of being willing to step outside of the boundaries, the normal boundaries of society in order to get your way. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, proposes a bill. This is the way that we do things. If the bill passes, the bill passes. There are lots of bills that pass that people like or don't like on either side, and that's just the name of the game. Maybe it doesn't pass, maybe whatever. But the idea that you're now going to to, to, to do this act of intimidation that basically sends this huge signal. Outright terror. Outright terror. Literal definition of it. There's, there's few things. There are, there are some things, but there are a few things scarier than the idea, like you said, of armed, angry police officers thinking something is going on that requires desperate measures surrounding your house or whatever at 1 a.m. in the you know right in the middle of the night you're asleep you don't know what's going on and all of a sudden this is happening and so what this is is it's just another another escalation in the kind of pattern of intimidation that we're seeing um you know what were they doing outside the supreme court justices houses they were protesting but then judge kavanaugh has a credible threat to his life involved with this and what do you have well it turns out Funny enough, you mentioned trans activists. The exact same trans activist who got me kicked off of Twitter, the exact same one, Alejandra Carabello, advocated for more of this, the, the, the intimidation tactics, intimidating of the Supreme Court justices, even in this environment. The exact same one. So what you have is people who are stepping outside of the frame of society. They're breaking the detente of society to get their way, and they feel perfectly entitled to be able to do it. Because they've got some trumped up idea about, uh, what do you call it, systemic or structural While demanding that you stay within the lines. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a repressive tolerance again, or liberating tolerance, actually. We saw this with the Gravel Institute. Mm -hmm. After January 6th, the Gravel Institute tweeted that they supported the action, but not the people. The people were the wrong ones to do it. And they deleted the tweet. People were like, you're saying that you thought that was good. And they were like, yup. And then they were like, y'all are crazy. And then they deleted it like, okay, maybe we shouldn't admit that. That's the crazy thing. You have people who are lucid. They're, 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 they understand what they're doing. They know how the machine works. They know why they're claiming you can't do it and while they do it. But then you have the dumb people who mindlessly march along completely clueless and don't care. Sam Harris comes off to me like he is, you know, what's, what's, what's the opposite of sentient? <laughs> Sam Harris comes off to me as the fulfillment of the the critical theory magnum opus called Dialectic of Enlightenment. To be honest with you, explain. So, Dialectic of Enlightenment was this book written in forty four and rewritten and published again in forty seven by uh, Max Horkheimer and Theodore Adorno, the two kind of principal critical theorists of the era. And um, what they said is that you know you start off with the Enlightenment, you enter into this phase denouncing myth and entering into rationality. But what happens is that through the dialectical process of transformation of Enlightenment rationality itself becomes its own mythology and you literally enter into this new kind of religious order of rationality that completely divorces you from being genuinely rational you're now operating within this this myth and i read this book and i was like this is insane this is just crazy and then i looked at sam harris and i was like oh okay so so uh maybe what's the opposite of lucid 
Uh, murky? Yeah, murky? Clouded. Clouded? Well, so the way I see it is Sam Harris is... Dude, it's almost like looking through cataracts instead of right. lucid vision. It's like he's got this fog in front of his eyes. But I don't think that's the right way to describe it. because hyp- Hypnosis is a better way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. it because is a good way to put even it. if your eyes are cloudy, you can be thinking clearly. Yeah. Even if your information is bad, you wouldn't say something as insane about dead kids. He's He's in a state of like cult hypnosis. Yeah. That has stripped away his individuality, his agency. And yeah. now he's just mindlessly droning along. There, there are people like that. But then there are people who are fully aware they're breaking the rules and they know it and they don't care. Like I mentioned, the Gravel Institute. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so this is something a lot of people don't really fully appreciate about our current moment is that we're actually not dealing with just politics at all. We're dealing with it's not even like the soul or the future of America. We're dealing with two fundamentally different conceptions of what it means to be a human being, uh, or literally, I mean, down to religious roots of what it means to be a person. And uh, kind of the American answer kind of comes from John Locke, who in, a, in essence is like, well, none of us are gods, so none of us deserve political authority. So we're going to secure life, liberty, and property so people can think for themselves and disagree amongst one another because we don't have all the answers. And so the American system, really, the question is, who deserves political authority? And Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, these guys meet together, and their answer, James Madison, were like, nobody deserves it, but we'll lend it to you under these conditions. And that's called a republic. Yeah. But the answer, these leftists believe, fundamentally believe, Marxist-style leftists fundamentally believe that they're the only enlightened, conscious people on the planet that understand how stuff's supposed to work. So they not only should have political authority, they're entitled to political authority. So they get to step yep. outside of the rules because they're fully entitled to have political authority over everything. You want to read that one? Yeah. Okay. So this is, it's pronounced Gravel. Gravel. Okay. Yep. The Gravel Institute. Um, when was that? Uh, 1 is, 8 21. So yep. January 8th. Uh, Two days after January 6th. Okay. Got you. Uh, but if leftists had stormed the Capitol, you'd support it in scare quotes. Yes. They are fighting for a good cause. Fascists are fighting for a, a very bad cause. This should not be difficult. This is the this is the thesis statement of repressive tolerance written right again. That's exactly the thesis statement. If we went down to the thesis statement of repressive tolerance in the essay, he says that to- liberating tolerance can be summarized in basically a single sentence. And he says that tolerance must be extended to movements from the left and must be withdrawn from movements from the right. Which is exactly why they never seem to complain about the Soviet Union or the Cultural Revolution and these other countries that currently exist that are still communist, but they're... They're always screaming Nazi Germany. That's right. That's the exactly fascists. right. The fascists. The fascists. That's right. They they never uh, recognize that if you actually read Marx's different stages of history where you bail out of capitalism, you have your revolution, and you have a dictatorship of the proletariat. That's the next stage. That's called socialism. That socialism is actually a fascist state that is supposed to dialectically unwind to a utopia, which it's not going to do. There's a meme and this uh, female journalist, personality leftist, tweeted, people often point out how socialism has, has failed in so many countries. But if it doesn't work, you don't just give up. You keep trying. And then someone responded, like, they said, like, like cooking, if you make a mistake, you just start, you know, try again. And someone responded with, like, oops, burn the souffle. And it's a picture of, like, skulls. Yeah, 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 brutal murder. Well, I mean, that is actually their idea. So the idea is, I mean, to get deeper into the philosophy behind it, that you have this thing out floating in the world. This is Hegel. Okay, so Hegel precedes Marx. Marx retools Hegel and makes it material. Hegel's idea is that there's this literal concept of God called the absolute idea. So it's the perfected idea, the absolute, you know, platonic form of how everything in the universe should operate. It's it's the deity. 
But we don't have access to that. So it splits into two sides, the theoretical idea and the practical idea. The theoretical idea is our idea about it, our guess about it, our theory, or how we think the world's supposed to work. The practical idea is how it actually gets implemented, usually through the state. By the way, he said that the uh, state is the divine idea as it exists on Earth. And this is just to help you understand if you ever see the left start uh, gloating about praxis. Yes, that's right. And so what the idea of praxis is supposed to bring theory and practice together again. So the theoretical idea and practical idea are supposed to come together, which reinstitutes the absolute. So the idea is that when you put the Soviet Union into, into practice and 30-something, 40-something million people die, what you were doing is you, you're exposing the contradiction between the theoretical and the practical. So what you're actually doing is learning more about why it didn't work this time. And so you thank those people, or in Hegel's words, I mean, literally, this is a quote from Hegel, history uses people and then discards them. So they were discarded on the altar of the god of history, sacrificed to the god of history so that history can move to its perfected endpoint. You should watch Full Metal Alchemist. Have you you know, I, I no, I know what it is. I've seen like some parts of it, uh, but I haven't actually watched it all the way through. But I'm I'm sure that this is going to relate because what Hegel was was a hermeticist, which is an alchemist. There's two two uh, anime is it animes that I recommend or manga, um, Attack on Titan and Full Metal Alchemist because they directly deal. So uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the actual, it follows the manga. And uh, I know a lot of people out there, they might not be fans of any of this stuff, graphic novels or whatever, but seriously consider this because what it deals with is powerful elites who want to sacrifice the people for more power. That's Full Metal Alchemist. And I don't want to spoil it if you're going to check it out, but it, it very much deals with this, how the population of, throughout history are sacrificed for more and more power. And then Attack on Titan, um, it's funny, someone posted a meme of Jordan Peterson saying you should watch Attack on Titan, and it's not real, but uh, if you're a fan of Jordan Peterson and you watch that show, you're going to be like, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually did say it. Because it deals with privilege and historical racism and all of that stuff in those shows. So they're very, very interesting. But anyway, I digress. Believe it or not, I actually know a manga, and that's Death Note. I actually know Oh, one. amazing, amazing. That one's Death cool. Note's that one, so good. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I got questions about this. Marcuse is the guy who wrote. Marcuse, yeah. Marcuse. And this is the 60s. It's What was the name of the paper again? Repressive <clears throat> Tolerance. So they're saying that left, leftists should be, there, it should be tolerated. Violence from leftists should be tolerated, but from the right, not even the thought should enter their mind. Why? Correct. That sounds out of balance. Without a balanced right and left to function together, you would, I would think that the system would fail. Why? Okay. Yeah. Because it's, they believe that what happens is that the system is inherently corrupt and the system is inherently designed to reproduce itself. And only the true leftist understands how to break free of the what they called, literally, they called this the problem of reproduction. So that society reproduces itself by all of its means and mechanisms. So only that which steps out of the mechanisms of reproduction is to be condoned. So anything else on the right, what you're doing is uh, you have a oppressive society, a repressive society, a harmful society, a racist society, a sexist society, a classist society. And if you don't reject that utterly, in fact, he called it the great refusal, Marcuse did. If you don't reject that utterly and step completely outside of it, all you're doing is becoming complicit. Doesn't this sound familiar to the world we live in today? You're becoming complicit in those harms and keeping those mm -hmm. harms going. So in some sense, you, bore, you bear moral responsibility for every act of racism that comes up later in life, or in, in the world, for, for every act of, uh, you know, capitalist exploitation or whatever that happens later in the world. If you don't completely refuse the system, then you're complicit in that. So they don't want balance. They think that balance is a form of compromise that keeps oppression alive. So you have to have a complete, he calls it again, the great refusal of the entire terms of the existing society. And the question is, how do you solve the problem of reproduction? And the answer that they gave was relentless criticism, problematization of everything. 
uh, quite literally. Marcuse says that it must be relentless negative thinking, and that negative thinking will become positive by actually freeing up the ideal society that is contained within the existing corrupt form. And we go back to the alchemy. This is alchemy. A lot of people don't know what the religion of alchemy is about, but it, the, 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 it is a religion, by the way. It's a very old, many thousands of years old religious view, and it's that when in the act of creation, God co-creates himself and the universe, okay? The exact same instant of creation. But he makes himself in the universe. So every single thing, whether it's his pen or, you know, whatever, me, you, the crystal balls, whatever it is on the table, there's some aspect of the divine contained within that, but it's in its mundane form. And so what you have to do is use the magical spells of alchemy to break open the mundane form of the thing so that the divine form can come out. Lead is a mundane metal, so you have to do the magic spells, break open the nature of lead at a metaphysical level, and then the seed of gold inside will transform the entire lump of metal into gold, which is the divine metal. Death is the mundane form of, of existence, so you have to break open and make the elixir of life that will break open the death and turn it into life, which is divine. And the same thing is being expressed by Marcusa in these essays that he's writing, um, especially repressive tolerance here, is that if you break open the form of society, then what can happen is that the ideal divine version of it, heaven, or as Henry Giroux, I mentioned earlier, put it, the kingdom of God as it exists on earth can emerge from the oppressive forms that are trapping it and holding it back. Do they acknowledge that when you break open a society, it can also you know, emulate or... I mean, they should listen to Gandalf talking to Saruman because he's like, whoever breaks a thing to see how it works has left the path of wisdom. Uh, That's... uh, No, they... if That's the problem, is they think that the world is intrinsically bad, right? So this isn't... This turns out not to necessarily be the hermetic side. If we go back to Hegel, what did he do? He combined hermeticism with another old religion called Gnosticism, an old mystery religion. The Gnostics believe that being itself, we've been cast into a prison by the character in Genesis that gets called God, but he's actually the demiurge. He's actually a demon. And so he's he's not the real supreme being behind this, this, the scenes. And so the whole whole of being is a prison where you don't get to be who you want. You have to grow up. You have a body you didn't ask for. So maybe you have to transition. Maybe it shackles you to having babies. And so, you know, you have to be able to have infinite abortion. You have to be able to transform your body. This view that your your very existence and existence itself is a prison and the form of society is a prison is the mindset that they're in. So there's no balance. And if all you do is burn down the prison, that's still better I, yeah, than I, leaving you know, people in it. This is fascinating. I want to say, though, they're wrong. Though, of know, course they're wrong. Life is a, a gift. Yeah. The body is a is we've been bes- like I, I look at it this way. I saw a meme earlier and it was a, it was God and, and the devil and they were arm wrestling. And it was some political cartoon that said only a fool would create his own enemy. And then I responded with, like, when we program video games, we make the villains on purpose. Like, your argument is, is you know, childish. Um, but uh, this idea of, you know, your body being a prison or whatever, when we play video games, you play a character which has limits. It's enjoyable. It is done on purpose for something we want to do. You know, you get a character, the character's weak, you make it strong, or you start, like, how many, how many women played Mario? It's like, oh, neither a guy. It's like, they don't complain that Mario can't turn into a woman or be a different character. It's like, you play the game, you enjoy it. Life is a gift. You got, uh, it's not particularly long, but it's, it's long enough in a lot of ways. And you get to experience this, this slice of existence. And that's, uh, that's, that's unique and it's magical. Well, so, so speaking of video games, sorry, you know, I'll, oh, I'll yeah. give you a second, but, uh, you ever play, like, so, believe it or not, I know last time I was here, I was like, don't play video games. <laughs> but 
believe it or not, I used to play video games. And I played, I got really into, at one point, this Final Fantasy series. And I was playing Final Fantasy X, which is that legendary kind of, you know, epic story. Everybody gets all excited about it. And it turns out that the game is set up so that you can actually, you know, get these crystals or whatever they are and just keep making your character stronger and stronger and stronger. And it turns out I was playing on my brother's account or whatever, and he left. He went out to San Diego for three weeks, and I'm just playing, and I'm bored, like, just chilling every night playing the game. And I made these characters, like, super strong. So even, like, the little sissy, you know, weak um, magic users or whatever, they aren't supposed to be able to hit with their stick very hard. It would hit, and it'd be, like, all nines and kill everything (laughs) in one hit. And it's like he came back, and he was like, what the heck? The game's not even fun. Yep. So when you go God mode in a game, it's not even fun anymore. Exactly. It takes everything away from it. And so, yeah, th- this idea that the body is a prison completely misses the uh, the give and take of reality and of life that makes life interesting and worth living. It's really a sad and miserable existence. And I, yep. I do have tremendous pity for people that are sucked into this kind of way of thinking. Um, but ultimately I think this is where that the drive comes from. Let's jump to this next story because I'm, I'm again, it, I think this, is, this all really comes together in interesting ways from post millennial Biden to cancel up to $10,000 in student loan debt, extend payment pause until December. And there's also going to be a $20,000 forgiveness, which I believe is additional. If you receive the Pell grant, they say, um, in addition, Pell grant recipients will see up to 20,000 of their debt canceled. I, I read somewhere that it was actually in addition to, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's 10 on top of 10 is what I learned. Is that what it was? I think I, so. That's what I was someone, someone wrote it was 20 on top of 10, and they may have been mistaken. I, it, was one, it was like a mainstream publication or something. But anyway, this ain't it. Hmm. They're not actually solving the problem of student loan debt. The predatory loan system will still exist. All, they're, all he's basically doing is giving a tiny bribe to people to vote for him. But I think the bigger issue here that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, uh, uh, James, is universities, these, these schools, they are subsidized indoctrination machines. Mm-hmm. And now people are getting a freebie. So it's like they're, they're continually subsidizing in more and more ways. They want it to be free. Yeah. Well, of course they want it to be free. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's sharing a cult religion wants you to come and experience it. And if it costs money to support, they want someone else to pay for it so they can keep funneling people in without hindering themselves, right? Yeah. So I'm curious what you think about all this. No, I mean, so this is, I mean, there's a whole thing we could get into if you want to about how universities back themselves or painted, painted themselves into this financial corner they're in. But with the students, let me just like take one step back and we'll come back into focus because it's going to hit both of the things we were just talking about or all of the things we've been talking about. The agenda behind much of leftist activism, if you read Marcuse, Marcuse says in another essay, it's called The Essay on Liberation of 1969, the first chapter of that, it's an essay, but it's like 170 pages long. So it's back in the day, kids, we wrote real essays. (laughs) They weren't like, you know, 500 words. Sorry, op-eds. No, it's 170 pages. The first chapter of his essay on liberation is a biological foundation for socialism. And what he explains is that if you want to get socialism, you have to change the level of people's vital needs. You have to change people in terms of what they need. Now, he has a a footnote that says, I don't literally mean biology. So he's not literally advocating for eugenics. And every time he uses the word biological, it has quotes around it. So he means something different by it. And what I finally figured out was what he means by it is uh, that you don't know how to live life without getting your way. In other words, uh, psychopathology literally the definition of psychopathology interferes with your ability to engage in daily life so this podcast is sponsored by ramp are you the decision maker in your company consider this for the first time in decades there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform meet ramp the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more 
Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Every bit of leftist activism that's followed off of Marcuse, which is basically all of this radical left since the 1960s, has at the bottom the, the goal to create the activists who are going to not be able to figure out how to live their life without getting the policy change that they demand. So in this case... You give all these kids crazy amounts of student debt, and what do they do? They become agitators for student loan uh, forgiveness and eventually free college because they want to have the free indoctrination program. And so hand in glove, the colleges become the indoctrination centers or they're actually the programming centers. They're more like Maoist thought reform prisons than they are like indoctrination. So you turn it into a thought reform prison and you get kids to demand that it be free because you put them in financial dire straits. Now with the trans issues, the same thing. Because what happens if you transition a child, put them on puberty blockers, you, you cut them up, sterilize them, but what else? Do you know how expensive, you know how many drugs and, and yep. how much medical care and they have? you have to take them for an extremely long for time. Like for like the life. rest of your yeah. life. No, and, you know, right, right, so right. what are those people going to advocate for at a policy level? Uh-oh, socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. Because the medicine's so expensive and the system broke them and it's so expensive. So what you're doing, history wow. uses people and then discards them. Sorry, trans activists, that's what you're doing you're using these poor kids and you're going to discard them uses people and then discards them to get their policy agendas in place and in this case you're going to create an army of people among other things are politically moldable etc but you also are going to create an army of people who are going to advocate vigorously for the rest of their lives for socialized medicine what, just like I these would, kids in college what's I, worrying to me about this is uh we we talked about the detransitioner subreddit uh-huh. where you have nearly 40,000 people and constant posts from people about how they're becoming suicidal because they were rushed in as and didn't want to do it. Yeah, no kidding. So my, my whole response to the whole thing is like, whether someone is, is trans or someone is not trans and being pressured, we better slow that thing down before people start taking their own lives. Well, now That's you know, the the, we want. you know, one of the main reasons that they're doing, there, there are a few, but one of the main reasons that they're, they're pushing it so hard is because they need that army of broken people who are going to be pharmaceutical patients for the rest of their life, who are going to have expensive medical treatments, who are going to advoc- ask for and beg for socialist medicine. I kind of feel that's a bit, a bit of a stretch. I think there's a lot of factors at play. There's industry standards. There are money to be made. There's money to be made. But, but there's I, money I, to be made in the short term too, in the long term as well. But I think a lot of these people, like if you look at the mothers who bring their kids to these shows, it's like you've got Munchausen by proxy. But then you have parents who are genuinely, genuinely confused and don't know and think they're doing the right thing. Sure, of I, course, I, of course. I, I think you'll find with but, most circumstances you have normal people being pulled in a direction. Yes. And it's, and it's a much smaller faction that are probably nefarious. No, that, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of, say, the so-called parents of trans kids, and I say that so-called because I don't believe such things uh, as trans kids exist, um, there are people who've been pulled into this, as, as you were suggesting. But the parents, a lot of them were like— i got to stop you there. I think that's factually incorrect. Uh, we, we, we talked about—there's there, a, there's a, uh, an article from a Ph.D. professor who talks about endocrine disruptors and hormone disruptors, okay. which masculinized the brains of female fetuses and then resulted in trans kids. I think— I think How often is that? 
Probably. So maybe they do exist. Right. And that's, that's one what, in that, 10,000, that, one in 20,000. Sure, sure. I'm not saying it's a, it's one in 10. I'm just saying, okay. you know, for you to say you don't think they are, they do exist. I think, I think we've, we've I'll walk back to they're very rare. Very rare. I agree with. And I think the, the challenge is we, we have a, a system right now that doesn't discern between social and the actual. Oh, no. They're not even going to try. They're right. not even going to well, try. They, they, it's just it, rushing kids into uh, um, medical treatment, which is going to permanently alter. And, and for many of these kids, we're clearly seeing now the detransition subreddit ruin their lives. Yeah. Big mistake. Because you dangle out. Uh, you, you tell them you have this huge problem. There's no real good solution to it. You're probably going to commit suicide if you don't get resolution to it. Here's this treatment. that we Here's this one path out. This, by the way, this is how they did Maoist thought reform, is they put people under outstanding psychological pressure with a limited set of choices for how to escape that pressure. My, and then they, they go into that, and then what happens is they get four or five years in, and then whoop, the rug's been pulled out from under them. They don't have any options to get out anymore. The underlying problem never got treated. My, my question is, how much of this is an emergent phenomenon versus a directed phenomenon? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um, lots of money goes into it, so there's some directedness to it. Some of it, though, this is what I was starting to say. A lot of these poor moms were, were kids in the 90s, right? And we all grew up, if we grew up in the 90s, we all grew up with this kind of like boogeyman of, it was real, but there's this, you know, character that was really heavily portrayed as the, the you know, the evil, angry, there's almost always an angry dad who disowns their kids for being gay, right? And everybody's like, oh, that guy's terrible. So you have a whole bunch of people who grew up in the 90s who, who had this character as like the big evil guy to think of. Then they grow up and they're adults now and they have their children. So what are they going to be? Hyper-inclusive as like an overreaction. Then you add in the Munchausen's by proxy, which is where, you know, if people don't know what Munchausen's by proxy is. I know you guys do. But it's where you poison your kids so that they're like sick and then you pick up the pity points like, oh, my poor child. So but, for, for people who aren't familiar, Munchausen's is when you feign being sick for attention. And by proxy is when you feign someone else being sick for attention. Yeah. Often they did like drip feed their kids poison and say, you know, Sally's so sick. Oh, my gosh. Help. It's like like a sixth sense the the the, the mom yeah. was poisoning the daughter and then going my daughter's so sick yeah, yeah, i yeah. think she just wanted to kill the daughter in that movie but um this is a really important point too that i think argues for a potential emergent phenomenon that we're seeing i've talked about this i yeah, said yeah the boogeyman's grown up when yeah. when i was little we had all these signs everywhere about how racism was bad and so all of these millennial kids around me grow up being told about how awful racism is they have been trained to combat racism the only problem is We've enacted a bunch of policies doing away with the institutional problems. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's done. I'm just saying for the most part, things are pretty good. You know, like things have improved dramatically. And now you have these people who grew up on this seeking it out, but they can't find it. Yeah. So I refer to it as an autoimmune disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Now, it's not really a question as to whether or not there are people who are taking advantage of this for, for, and these would be nefarious people. I just think they're relatively small in number who are pushing this. Uh, usually with a lot of money behind it for whatever other ends they have. And if we might quote from the great philosophical epic, uh, uh, I guess, legend of, of Game of Thrones, chaos is a ladder. And they know that, that causing these points of damage creates opportunity. Now, I don't think there's terribly many of those people, uh, relatively speaking. The proportion of them might be as small as 1% or 2%, which, by the way, matches the proportion of psychopaths in the underlying population. I met, uh, I, I knew a bunch of people from Occupy Wall Street. I was down there for a while. And... Um what I was told by some of the organizers, people with access to the resources who knew what was going on, had plans and were controlling what was going on. They said, we want to flip the pyramid over. Sounds good, right? With the pyramid, right? You got the, you got the elites on top. You got the sure, bourgeoisie. Sure, sure. You got the proletariat. Yeah. So it sounds like to the, the uneducated, to the unlearned, 
oh, you want to put the working people on top to give them control, right? That's what socialism wants. Yeah. Well, I'm not one of those people. I responded with, if you flip a pyramid over, it's going to topple into a brick, a pile of bricks. Mm-hmm. And then there's only going to be one or two of the working class people on top. And they're like, right, that'll be us. Yeah, exactly. They, they were not saying. That's an entitlement. All, all of the poor people will be on the top and all of the evil owners will be on the bottom. They were saying, once we flip it over, it resettles into a new pyramid with us on top. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And that's that that entitlement we were talking about previously. And of course, that attracts psychopaths because they know that there's a gigantic opportunity there and they can create that chaos to flip the pyramid over and arrange things so that they end up on top of that that pile. And this is how these things always go. I mean, the Bolshevik revolution didn't create, uh, you know, this new paradise society. It in fact (laughs) made a very, very, very small, like hyper feudal society with a very small number of lords in the Communist Party. You, you know what? I describe it, it, it. Monopolization of power. Centralization of power is yeah. bad. When we have antitrust laws because we're like, this company got too big. Okay. Communism, socialism, and any kind of authoritarian government system skips the process by which power coalesces and just instantly snaps it all right to the center. Yeah. Okay. That's not good. That yeah. creates problems. And it, the, the, it turns out that the people it puts in charge are people who are good at accumulating power. They're not people who know how to do anything. They're just people who are good at accumulating power and maintaining power. Like I learned recently, I was talking with a woman from – she grew up in the Soviet Union. And uh, her family was was fortunate enough to survive and it fell and then they came to America in the in the 90s. And um, she was saying, do you know why they made us wait in bread lines? It wasn't because they, – they could have set up more bread lines. It's like literally nobody had anything to do. It wasn't that. It was that if you waited four to five to six hours in, in line for, for your ability to eat dinner that night, you weren't doing anything else. Right. You couldn't go do something else. I saw a really interesting meme. Someone posted about, I can't remember where I saw it. They posted about how when they were in, when they were younger and in school, the teacher, they were learning, they were doing a history lesson, and the teacher all of a sudden snapped at one of the students and accused them of breaking some rule they clearly did not break. Like, you were, you were speaking loudly, go to the principal's office. And then when the student was like, no, I wasn't, the teacher said, does anybody else want to back him up? Anybody else want to want to put their name in that and go to the principal's office office with him, defend him? And not, none of the kids said anything. And she goes, "Okay, pack your things, go." See, that's and what then, I say. But as soon as he left, she said, "I know he didn't do anything wrong, but none of you would actually call out the fact because the authority told you, and you were scared." Well, I'm glad that she made that point because that's why they say that the 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 first person to stand up is. I mean, it does take courage, but they're not the one who has the most courage. It's the second person who stands up because they know what they're in for. Yep. That takes the most courage. And then once you get over that hump, the third person it takes less, the fourth person it takes less, and on and on and on. And that's how that's how courage actually works. In a lot of ways, that's how I feel about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I feel like she's a target for the swattings because she is the one introducing legislation. Like, she wants to declare James Revenge and Ruth sent us, which docks the... Uh, the addresses of the Supreme Court justices, she wants to have them declared a terrorist organization. This bill is not likely to pass. She does have co-sponsors, but it takes the people who are starting to make this part of their central platform. She is very brave, but we need more people to follow suit, and that takes a tremendous amount of courage. I, I don't think you can, in the United States, declare an organization a terrorist organization. She has a bill in Congress for it. But I, I just think ultimately it just fails because it's a First Amendment issue. Mm. You can you can charge someone with terroristic acts, specific things, and what, which is what you would need to do. So she would need to file, a, a, um, what is it, a, refer, a referral for it to the DOJ on these people for the crimes committed. However, kind of pointless because the DOJ knows they're doing these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll mention this too. 
There are similarities to what happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene and what happened to us. There are some similarities. I'm not going to get into security because there's an active investigation in multiple jurisdictions. But um, it was the day after Marjorie Taylor Greene was here that we got swatted the first time. Hmm. These people have not been brought to justice, but there are, as I mentioned, multiple jurisdictions, multiple jurisdictions looking into it. I've you know, given several statements and, and evidence, so it may be moving forward. But we're going on now seven and a half months. It was January 6th when we got swatted. Now, it seems like it may be the same person or a similar entity going after Marjorie Taylor Greene. Where is the, is the DOJ? They, are they unable? Because if they're unable, then we've got a very serious stability problem in this country if people can keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, they, and, and people know that this is how this works. The people that game the system that you were talking about, they know how to game the system. They know that the system can drag things out, that they can drag their feet on whatever. And they can create that repressive situation where one side's strongly favored versus the other uh, by dragging it out when it's one side and not dragging it out, uh, acting quickly when it's the other side. The FBI would not investigate Hunter Biden, but they're jumping at the chance to go raid Trump's house. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's exactly right. And right, right before the midterm, too. Mm. Oh, we're not going to interfere in an election. Oh, the midterm's coming up? Raid Trump. Yep, exactly. Amazing. And now, now there's a lot of fears... There's been talk about whether or not Trump would be willing to make, you know, announce his run right before because of what will happen with the Republican Party and the fact that he's been raided by the by the FBI will it make him look bad. And now there's questions being raised. I think Trump should just announce. I think we saw from the from the elections the other day that the GOP desperately needs Trump to be, be actively involved and Trump should not wait. He should just come out and be like, yo, we're going to run and we're going to start endorsing people. I mean, he's been endorsing people and his record is here's here, I'll, 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 I'll say this. In 2018, Trump's endorsements were like 50-something percent. Hmm. In 2020, it was 70-something percent. So far right now, Trump's at like 99, yeah. I think. Is it like 99 percent success? It's over on, 90. On a, over no, it's, it's, I think it's 99. Yeah. yeah and it's, so it's high. the suggestion is Republicans lost in 2018. Republicans made massive gains upsetting what was projected in 2020. And with Trump's you know, recommend, uh, uh, endorsements this successful, people are thinking that's an indicator that Republicans are going to win. But we'll see, man. The Democrats, uh, there was a swing district, New York 19, was predicted to go Republican. It's an R plus the three district. Democrat won. Hmm. So I don't, I don't, you know, people mentioned Myra Flores in Texas as like, oh, red wave's coming because a Republican won a Democrat district. And I'm like, dude, the whole thing's flipped over on its head. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. I think in some ways that's what the student loan debt reminds me of. Like, this is a bid from Biden's administration to be like, remember, Democrats are good. The Democrats give you things before midterms. And it's just not quite as successful as they want to be. I would think, and I'm not an expert in this, that if you really wanted to address the student loan debt problem, you'd make it easier to declare bankruptcy on student loans because it's almost impossible right now. And that is trapping people in debt that you wouldn't carry except for the fact that you are told you have to go to college to advance, to get a better career. It, tr- it, it saddles them with debt immediately while pushing them down a path that is not giving them any financial st- success. I think we should uh, forgive interest on all the loans and apply any interest payments made directly to the principal, but you got to pay back the principal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you, probably right. You, you got Something money, like you got to pay it. The system itself is predatory. And uh, the first thing you got to do, here's step one. Here's the solution to the student debt crisis for all the left and the right fans out there. Um, first, end the loan system. It's clearly predatory. All the left clearly agrees, right? They tricked you into getting these loans. They're too expensive. You can't pay them back. All right, end it. Now, for everybody's holding debt, interest payments, done. No more interest. Any payment you've made, that interest will be credited towards the principal. You got to pay back what you were given but not the interest. 
This is the best part. People get their student loan forgiveness. If you got money, you got to pay it back. Now, if you paid more in interest than you borrowed, we apply that as a tax credit on your, your taxes for this year, and it rolls over until gone. So if you pay 10K in interest beyond the principal, then this year, that 10K goes towards what you would have paid in taxes. So it's a, it's a big win for all of these student debt forgiveness people, right? But if you were given five grand and you bought cheeseburgers and beer with it, and then you paid back half, we'll forgive the interest. And if there's still a thousand bucks left over, you got to pay that principal. But the first thing, ending the system of loans seriously hinders the, the educational institutions, puts a, a, a big slowdown on that, and will help restore to only the people who truly can and want to go to college do. If you want to get a private loan, you know, from a bank or something to go to college, that's fine. You can do that. But the way it's set up right now with these 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 uh, federalized loans and grants and things, no, 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 get rid of all that. I mean, the, the academic institutions are, are I'm sure we're all fine with this, but they're, they're not going to come out well from this. And the reason that these loans are the way that they are is because the academic institutions got walked not just that the students get walked down a primrose path if you have to go to college, you have to if you want to get a good job, the whole thing. The institutions themselves did too. When when the federal underwriting of student loans came in in the nineties, um, they saw this gigantic opportunity to uh, you know compete for students that they didn't have before. And this is when you saw this massive shift towards student services take place in the universities. So they're building rec centers, they're building bowling alleys, they're building movie theaters, they're building fancy new dorms. Like my dorm was like literally designed by a prison designer and it was wow. like 50 rooms for one bathroom. You know, we all shared a shower when the janitors got mad because one guy like went to the bathroom in the heater in the, in the, in the bathroom. So he got pissed and he took away all of our shower curtains. So we all just had to like shower like. Here we are. It was like that, that was back in the, the day, man. Um, <laughs> things were different back in the day. So they started building all these cool new dorms and all this other stuff, and they got massively, massively in debt, hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars in mortgage debt. And so these the, the, the strings, we're talking about the loans being given to the students, but there's massive loans that were given to the institutions too. And then they were using the loans being given to the students to try to pay off those debts themselves. Now what is happening, the same financial institutions are playing this ESG game the social part of ESG, that's environmental social governance, that's the, the S. And the governance is that you have to have the right people in places of power and offices and, say, diversity deans and things like that. If you want to have a good score to have your, your finances managed by these exact same financial institutions, then what do you have to do? The same ones, by the way, you were going after with Occupy that were too big to fail. Turns out they learned that they were too big to fail and could do whatever they wanted because they got bailed out. Well, what are they doing? They're, they're now saddling these universities with insane administrative bloat, so they can't possibly pay their debts either. So what we're seeing is a recreation of the company town, but the financial industry is the company, and basically every large institution is the town, and then people that have taken these student loans are just getting roped in for it. I feel like the end result to all of this is not going to be what, what these woke people think. No. Obviously not. It's an absurd concept, but... The end result is these big institutions that they're bloating are just going to crumble in on themselves. They they have to in the end. And and you know what would you do if you had, say, this huge institution like the entire financial system of the world that's likely to collapse in on itself and it's leveraging everybody's pension funds to be able to do it. And what so those are all are going to be what's going to collapse. What would you work like hell to put in place if you could before the big collapse comes? Why not a gigantic social? control system like surveillance and social credit systems and all of this to protect yourself so that you don't end up like swinging from a lamppost when everybody's really, really, really mad that you wrecked the whole world's economy. They can't. It won't work. 
Um, yeah, it's not going to work. I, I, mean, po- I pointed out how so much of our information is digital right now that if the power went out, we would instantly lose access to all of these databases. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, like it's books. so fragile. You had a bookshelf. Power went out. You had books. I, there was a funny meme where some guy was like, the future is lame. My book just ran out of batteries. Yeah, exactly. Like I was on a plane. And my book ran out of batteries. What am I supposed to do? Yep. I mean, that's the end of uh, space balls, right? Even in the future, nothing works. Yeah. That's the line when the, the self-destruct it's, cancellation it's, button doesn't it, work. It's convenient that my phone grants me the summation, uh, grants me access to the summation of human knowledge. But uh, when the battery dies, I got a brick. Actually, have you heard about this idea that we're going to enter a new, historically speaking, not for us in the moment. We're not going to live through a dark age. But historically speaking, this is going to be a huge dark age because everything's digital, Right. So if you, the thing I saw about it was like, well, if you write on a clay tablet, right, if you scratch or, you know, cuneiform or whatever it is on a clay tablet, 5,000 years later, if it didn't break, you can still read it, yep. right? Well, if you put something on like a DVD, which is far better storage than, say, a thumb drive, which if like two drops of water hit it, all your data is gone. You put something on like a physical medium, like a DVD, you got 10 to 12, 15 years before that thing can degrade enough, unless it's one of those really, really expensive ones that most people don't use. Yeah. So what's going to happen is we have all these records, like, you know, your Wikipedia entry, which we, my Wikipedia entry, which is a, which is lit. They're all (laughs) just ephemeral. Is it wrong? Well, sometimes it changes a lot. Um, I think you should sue them. It's a little bit wrong. Um, at one point though, uh, somebody added that I have gigantic balls, made of brass <laughs> and that was a sentence on my wikipedia Why? for about yeah. like four days and it's wrong because it's titanium that's right yeah the gigantic part is correct the metal part is correct they got the metal all yeah. wrong brass so, is too soft yeah, that's right that. and it turns things green <laughs> yeah right i thought i was on to, i thought i was right. no but I, I was talking about this the other day that um if we got hit by that solar flare that they've been talking about well we almost we, did well, we you'd walk into a you'd people would like wearing their uh, you know leathers with spears and paint under their faces. They'd walk into a Manhattan data center and be like, "Kids, look, knowledge. It could teach us how to find food, how to generate electricity, but we have no idea how to access any of it." Yeah. So it's gone. We almost did. I don't know if you knew that. It was like no, twenty two thousand four or five. We'd have to look up the date. There was like. The the solar flare flare that would have destroyed yeah a, a big a big CME that would have been like it for our entire grid right and the way you know everything's spinning the sun's spinning the Earth is moving it missed by like if the sun had blown up like sixteen hours earlier it would have been a direct hit and fried Earth hmm. wow and it, that's how much it missed by and it you know it went off into space beside the Earth the Earth just barely missed it but you know the US government's got deep underground bunkers with Faraday cage under Faraday cage and protection from nuclear blasts and all that stuff yeah all your nudes are definitely in those bunkers that <laughs> Google's sure. been storing up you think I'm have joking you, have you have you played the game Fallout 3 no uh you'd love it um Fallout 3 is one of the best in the Fallout series but it's uh, post-apocalyptic and you're in Washington DC like a nuclear war happened and now there's mutants and you know ghouls they're like people with like radiation sickness and stuff and uh it's it's a it's a real map of dc it's amazing but there's a the bad guys or an element of what you could describe as bad guys the enclave remnants of the u.s government who have technology because they were in bunkers and then there's other people who have technology too but they're like you know the remnants of the u.s government so if there was to be a major emp nuclear war or some kind of apocalypse whatever the governments of the world are 
will survive it. Yeah, it's yeah. a shadow government. I asked Alex Jones, what's the difference between the deep state and the shadow government a couple of years ago? Before I learned more about the administrative state actually being the deep state, he was like, the shadow government's in case there's a nuclear war. They're all, they're all ready for it. Huh. That was a good impression. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, Alex is, <laughs> yeah you got down there. Man. You got deep. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was pretty yeah, good. Was deep really and kind of gravelly. Yeah, That's a little gravelly. Signature. Really, real serious. Real serious. Yeah, I mean, well, the next, I'll tell you, well, the hard drives, we're evolving to do hard drives made out of glass. So if there's an EMP, you'll still be able to hit it with a laser and read the data. And also D, um, DNA. They're storing data in DNA. That's terrifying. That's so I, I, there, there have like been weird conspiracies about quartz crystal as data storage or energy storage and stuff like that. And it's, it's entirely possible that there exists, maybe, maybe you're a fan of ancient aliens or whatever. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely or even remotely likely, but there could be ancient data storage tech that we just assume is a rock, and we would never know. If if you if you gave a hard drive to you know a, a, an Amazon a, Amazon tribe with like no contact with other civilization, they wouldn't know what it was. Yeah, no. you couldn't you couldn't even explain to them how the information is on there. No, not even close. That's I like the point. idea that in the p- future men are proposing with like rings that actually store all of the most important data that they have. And then they have to trust that this woman is not going to lose it. Like that's how bond, <laughs> stronger bond in marriage has to be. I think. I think where we're headed is that the woke people are going to line up for Neuralink and enter the metaverse, and that's where they're going to be. And if they're they're going to drag everybody else in. The, I mean, that's I think the attempt. The, there is actually a policy document from the World Economic Forum. It's their Vision 2025 document that I read the other day. I read such fun things, and. Uh, I'm reading through all of these, you know, different visions and like education and technology and all of this. And then I'm starting to read, like comparing against some of the different articles they put out that they cite. And there's this article that they put out that said that ed tech has failed them, their, their vision. Like they, they wrote all this stuff back in like 16 about how important it was for ed tech to rise up and do social emotional learning and mm-hmm. literally like read kids emotions <laughs> with like heart monitors and, and eye tracking and like all this crazy stuff. That's happening, by the way. In Florida, they're actually doing an experiment in some counties with what they call heart math. So while you do your math lesson, you're strapped into a heart rate monitor to find out what stresses you out about the math lesson. Wow. Like, I don't want any company having that data, by the way. Yeah. But um... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm reading this thing, and it's like, well, what we're learning is that you can bring education into the metaverse, but not the other way around. And so the goal will be that school is in the metaverse. Like, if you want your kid to go to school, they're going to have to slap on a Facebook-owned Oculus and go into the metaverse and you know who knows what's going on in there and you think you're going to be able to look over your kid's shoulder and see what's happening on the ipad no it's going to be in the metaverse they're talking about digital travel in that document you know so nobody's going anywhere you're only the plebs have to go to meta rome only the real rich and famous can go to rome uh for real for example and so they're actually talking about this though the travel industry's way deep into virtual travel could you imagine like signing up for a cruise and really all they do is put you in like a a classroom with like a drop ceiling and then you put your goggles on and you pretend you're at at sea like yeah you ever seen those they have these things you can buy where it's like a body harness and you're standing on a bowl and you put on special shoes and you can actually walk by like the shoes are touch sensitive or whatatever so when you walk you're actually walking in the metaverse oh i went to i was at um 
I was at uh, VidCon years ago, six years ago, and they had a big display where there were two guys up on these things strapped in and they're running full speed, but they're strapped in a body harness and you could watch what they see and they were playing a first person shooter against With you. haptic vests and stuff so yep. you can feel yourself getting haptic hands and stuff. Yep. Um, right now, I think the biggest advancements they made is they have a lot of different tech that doesn't really work together very well to provide a mo- mostly immersive experience, but that will be a big part of it. Yeah, they talk about virtual reality and education, but they also, like, there's another document, this this paper called Psychodata, put out by, by actually a critical theorist by the name of Ben Williamson, uh, 2019, in the Journal of Education Policy. And he's talking about that the actual point of all this is to harvest the data. That's the real point. And that, that what, what it, he argues, like, why are they harvesting the data? Well, number one, they want to create perfectly forecastable economic conditions in people. So they want to make you perfect for the market so they can pr- predict exactly how much money you'll spend and when and then condition you to make sure that you meet your predictions. And then secondly is to control populations. Uh, so the, the, what it is is a gigantic data harvesting program to make you think you're playing a video game or sending your kids to school. And, you know, right now they're surveying the kids primarily. They have to fill out these surveys all the time. I just like school just started back. So all these parents are like screenshotting them and sending them to me. Uh, on on social media that's not twitter and they are it, it's kind of like freaky the things they're asking these kids it's like have you you, you know do you ever think about racist stuff have, you know it's like crazy how often do you think about suicide they're asking kids questions like that wow yeah it's it's intense and then you know how much money do your parents make there's all these Whoa. crazy intense survey questions they're asking these kids all the time uh as a result almost, of, of the implementation of social emotional learning it's almost like aliens are here you know, in secret, and they're collecting data mm. and like researching us. I'm saying almost like I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it, it feels that way. It feels like we're being we're, we're like chickens in a chicken coop. Well, I mean, so my guess is, is is if we are looking at kind of a revolutionary moment, is that what if I were if I were a communist and I were looking at the situation, I would say, well, in the past we've attempted to build out the uh, the society, right? The the economy that was the Soviet Union. We built the economy and tried to force people to live in it, and it was a catastrophe. And then in China, we built the people, we built all the revolutionaries, and then this hasn't worked out the way we wanted it to either. What do you have to do? You have to build them both at the same time. So you start harvesting the data while you program the kids in the school, and then you're building the society based on the data you're harvesting from the kids, the economy, the completely controlled and conditioned economy. With- and then smack, when the metaverse is ready, everybody's pushed into the perfect, uh, the perfect simulation economy. Well, you control what people can see and hear and say. And you'll control what their reality is. People don't know what they don't know. That's right. I I did a digital tour of one of the great pyramids of Egypt. You can go inside and go down frame by frame and look around and look at the walls. And, like, I really feel like I was there. Sometimes I'm like, I was I? I I forget that I wasn't in Egypt. when it's It was immensely awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, that's immensely awesome. But then imagine what they could do with that. First of all, how do you even – how would you even know if it's really the the real thing, right? So what if you had gone down, like, halfway down the thing – you probably would have been like, wait a minute, if somebody had like spray painted a giant penis on the wall or something like that. But they could insert that in or it could really be there and then they have deleted it and you don't know. But then everybody, you know, we always talk about the sell the dream side of this. Wow, you know, I had this experience. I was in Egypt. I got to experience what it's like to win the Super Bowl kind of firsthand. I got to be on the field. I was Tom Brady. It was so amazing. They don't ever tell you that they could also just import you into like a torture prison. Yeah. Yep. They don't ever tell you that part. There's, there's, there's a movie we, we've talked about before where it's like this. they invent this thing they put in your eye, and, and it gives you experiences. Mm-hmm. So this woman, she like drops it, and like nanobots go into your brain, and then she experiences a weekend in Aspen, and she's skiing and snowboarding. And then her partner, against her wishes, makes prison nanites. So like 
you put it in someone's eye and they experience a hundred years in jail. Yeah, that's they, what I'm saying. Five minutes later, they wake up like uh, all messed up. Yeah, totally messed up. Like I read this book. It's called um, Thought Reform in the Psychology of Totalism by Robert J. Lifton, and he was he was in Hong Kong in the 1950s. He published it in 1961, and what he's doing is he's actually interviewing uh, people as they got out of Mao's prisons in the in the 50s. It, like literally, like a week after they get out of three years in a Maoist communist prison, and he's interviewing these people. And he says that literally zero people, people were affected differently by their three to five years in prison in the Chinese thought reform prisons or brainwashing prisons, Xinao in Chinese as they call them. And, uh, but everybody was affected. Everybody came out completely as, a, I mean, imagine, of course you would, but as a completely different person. Um, and you could do that digitally. We could, we don't need gulags if you have digital experience gulags and you can't leave your house because, you know, you don't have enough credits like in Australia when they did the COVID. And if you left your house, like a freaking drone is following your car or something, you know, there's, this isn't just like hyperbole you're, you're, anymore. You're, you're familiar with the, uh, the rat experiment, which one, the, uh, the hope, hope experiment. No. Well, maybe. Took three cylinders, put rats in each one, let them swim until they got tired. But within about 15 minutes, the rats gave up, sank to the bottom, and died. Oh, yeah. Then he took another group of rats. He put them in. Once they, right when they gave up, he grabbed them, took them out, dried them off, and let them rest. Then picked them back up, put them in. The second time around, they swam for 60 hours because there was hope. They believed that if they just stuck to it, they would eventually be saved and they shouldn't give up. And so some have made the argument following the pandemic and all the insane things they did we're still in it. We're just in the hope portion. And this explains why they built permanent facilities in, say, Australia and, and, and other places. Australia's got this, this, uh, this, the Howard Springs, I think it's called. We actually had the, we showed you the shirt earlier yeah. when you're, when you're over here. They, they built permanent facilities. It was for what, six months? Well, mm-hmm. it was, it existed before it was, um, uh, right, it was mining, a place for mining. Right, right. But I mean, like, the, 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 the work that they did organizing these facilities and setting them up, I don't think was just for six months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't think so either. Let's, ju- let's jump to the story from uh, Forbes, though. This is interesting. California expected to ban new gas-only car sales by 2035. Terrible headline, Forbes. What's actually happening is, as of, I think, today, they have implemented the first steps towards banning gas vehicles. Vehicles will have to be uh, zero emission. I'm, I'm curious. What do you think this is all about, James? Is this Is this climate change and we're trying to be better stewards of the earth? Or is this some kind of communist conspiracy? All right. There's an easy litmus test to find out if we're being better stewards of the earth. There's a very easy test. Are those cars going to be powered by electricity generated by nuclear power or not? No. Because if the answer is no, we're not being better stewards of the earth. This is something else. But it does mean they have easier control of your vehicle. That's right. Those those vehicles are, um, in all the cases that I'm aware of, electric vehicles are remote controllable or they can be turned off. Oh, yeah. Off. Oh, dude. So we, we uh, um, I, got, I got a Tesla and there's like a puddle of water and you stand back and on your phone, you can remote control the car with, with your phone. And so I'm pressing the button and the car is backing away from the, the swampy muck and then I can get in. It's amazing. Yeah. That also means someone else can do it. Yeah. It totally does mean somebody else can do it. <laughs> and it probably means that, you know, if he re- so felt like it, Elon Musk could probably do it. He well, literally could just do it. That's which crazy. means that if, you know, Whatever manufacturer, maybe Elon is and maybe isn't, gets in cahoots with our FBI that's acting so well. 
Okay. Then you could get in your car and it could just drive you right down to the field office. Or into the ocean or into a tree. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe you'll get in your car and then it'll start speeding out of control without your control 90 miles an hour down Wilshire Boulevard, slam into a tree because you were a journalist working on a story about mm. uh, a general. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I just think it's it, it's a funny image of Elon Musk like sitting in a room and then he walks up to a guy and puts his hands on his shoulder and goes, execute order 69. And then the guy's like, okay, and then he presses the button, and all the cars turn on and start driving to Tesla HQ. Yeah, it would actually be that. That, that would be either, it would either be that or it would be 42069. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say, it would be like, execute order 42069. <laughs> <laughs> oh and then the guy's like, yeah, 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 okay. We all die. Yeah, so um, that reference I made earlier, uh, just a moment ago, was actually, it's a real reference. Michael Hastings was a journalist. He complained to a neighbor that he saw someone messing with his car. Asked to borrow theirs. They said no. Got in his car, car speeding down Wilshire Boulevard, slams into a tree, explodes, he dies. That's right, that's right. And he was working on a story, I think it was about, was it about Hayden? Ooh, I'm not sure, I gotta look that up now. Yeah, you wanna Google that real quick? Yeah, I remember that, actually, that's right. But, that wasn't so, an electric car, though, was it? Nope, nope. No. But but uh, for the past, I think, you know, 15 or so years, cars have been remote controllable. There's what people don't understand. Cars that were not designed to be remote controlled can be remote controlled. Mm. So these car hackers... I, I, I watched this thing. You know, we all knew that self-driving cars were coming. These car hackers took over a car that did not have any remote control or self-driving capabilities because power steering can be manipulated by the computer inside the car. Mm. Mike, Michael Hastings was uh, investigating CIA director John Brennan. Brennan. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Brennan. And then his car went out of control in Wilshire and hit a tree and so exploded. Crazy. At a high rate of speed. He yeah. thought someone was trying to kill him. It was like 11. It was like 1 a.m. He left. The, I think he left the bar and he was driving home. And then the, just so he could have been hammered. But, you know, he's also it's investigating possible. the head yeah. of the CIA. I mean. A plausible deniability is a hell of a thing, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. No, That's, I mean, so this, though, I mean, this is absolute. Uh, control over 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 the population you control of your movement if you're stuck with electric vehicles and, and and all of this i am proud that i still drive a car that has like i mean it does have power Mechanical. steering but it, it's it has old school like it has a key there's mm. no button nice like you actually have that's to use a, it doesn't even have like a key I'm that jealous, like folds yeah. or whatever it's like a normal key from the back in the back in the old old days nice. mechanical this, this, this locks is, or are they automatic they're automatic oh, yeah. though but that's what you got to do but it's a standard it's a stick shift too if, if you're it's prepping still a stick shift. yeah if you're prepping you want a manual yep like 1960s car mm-hmm. no computer components in it at all that's what you, yeah uh, automatic transmissions hard to fix if, yeah if you know if everything fell apart you'd be better off with manual learn how to drive stick driving stick is fun you know it depends on if i'm going to you know what i don't like i don't like driving stick when i'm just trying to relax it's like, man, you're making driving a chore. You know what I mean? I don't like driving stick it on hilly roads, like in San Francisco. It's I think that's, I, that, I, yeah, I find that because <laughs> when yeah. I want to, like, when I want to like shift into first gear in a hill, I start to roll backwards, yeah, and I'm like, it. I hope someone's giving me ten feet right now. Yeah, they, then, don't. Yeah, no, you, they don't. I'm in East Tennessee. I'm all over hills, so they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they never you do. Got about four feet, so it's like really erratic, like hectic. Oh, I'm hitting the clutch yeah. to the gas, but putting it jerking forward. It's the most annoying thing. I'm sure it's happened to anybody who's driven stick that you're on a slight hill. And then someone gets right up on mm, you. Yeah. And then you're like, dude, I can't release the brake right now. And so you just sit there and they're honking at you and you're like, yeah. you're going yeah. to back up? I'm going to stick to I'm going to roll fault. backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that scene of Indiana Jones. It's like, first, you throw me the whip. <laughs> I can't. I'm stuck. Can, yeah. I'm stuck. In, I'm so stuck the thing here. about this is uh, a lot of people are pointing out the green movement stuff is just about saving the auto industry. Mm. That the auto industry is such a big component of um, the U.S. economy. Yeah, There's, I was reading that like most millionaires in the U.S. are people who own local dealerships. 
So oh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is huge. So what do you do? Got to make new cars. But if people have cars, aren't going to buy a new car? Why? What's the features? Eh, not good enough. Now you got to make them do it. Oh, California is just pumping their economy. I just tweeted out a thing about Sweden that is building a road that recharges electrical vehicles as they drive over them. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was reading about that. Um, that seems real. Well, it could. I mean, it's. Uh, but you're talking about very powerful electromagnets in the in the in the you know yeah, street. Like a third rail. Don't walk on it. I mean, what I mean, would what would that be like? So, I mean, we have wireless charging for our phones. You know, you'd probably be all right to walk on it. But a massive one? Are your keys going to get like sucked up or something? <laughs> I think I just won't walk on that road. It yeah. doesn't seem like it's worth Get the risk that, yeah. to me. Didn't somebody build that solar solar uh, panel road? Yeah, yeah, yeah I uh, heard about that. It was like a ter- it's company. a terrible idea that makes no sense, but they did it because people are are, are just What's dumb. The status of solar roads now. Solar road really. Solar bad idea. roadways was the company that pioneered it, or it was one of the most pioneered. Popular they made a YouTube video that made no sense. Yeah, it got really <laughs> popular. What? It's like it's funny because they're like, we should make our roads solar panels. It's like why? Because the roads are exposed to sunlight. It's like, okay, why don't you just put the solar panels next to the roads yeah. on stands <laughs> where they're not being run over by cars? We'll make them more durable, right? The material won't be, won't have enough, opa- uh, uh, will be too opaque. And so it will not absorb enough sunlight. And then they get damaged and scratched and it refracts light and then snow gets on it. Just make solar panels that can move back and forth and they're next to the road. You'll save money. Or build a nuclear plant. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that too. Why, uh, why don't they want to build nuclear plants? Well, because it's the way out of, of oh, managed yeah. energy scarcity. Because the, there is well, fusion would be would be wonderful, but uh, the claim is that the waste can't be managed or can't be managed safely or is politically infeasible. But that's not true. Not, uh, not true for fusion, especially. It's certainly not true for fusion. There is no. I mean, the waste, the the, the material inside the reactor becomes radioactive. Uh, but none of the there is no waste. It's it's literally water that comes out of it, yeah. and uh, no helium that comes out of it. Sorry, uh, it makes helium. It, it makes helium. It's hydrogen, into which helium by the way, the helium is a limited resource. Right, this is amazing. It, yeah. it, it's a win-win big time. Uh, but it's also a not real right now thing. But nuclear is the way out of the it, like. And if we if we see this as an energy transition period to where you know well maybe we're moving away from from you know, fossil fuels and we have to go into something different and it's more green or whatever, it makes every bit of sense to use nuclear. So the, the, the best answer that I have is that it is the way out of them being able to manage the energy economy the way that they want to manage it. And I mean, there are some difficulties with nuclear, but they're not, they're not like death blows or whatever. Yeah. You can't turn them on and off quickly. You can't ramp up production or ramp down production quickly in cycle. So there are some limitations, but you need like one gas plant to be able to like adjust for that. Yeah. And and main baseline load can be covered by nuclear. So it's like the escape hatch isn't there. So this is why I use it as a litmus test is if they're serious about it being about carbon in the atmosphere, then they they must be pro-nuclear, but they're very anti-nuclear. And when you read the explanations for their anti-nuclear, none of them make sense. Which means that something else is going on. They're here. also buying beachfront property. Something's really up because they were talking a lot about carbon footprint and reducing carbon emissions. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, actually, we can pull the carbon out of the atmosphere, deposit it onto palladium, co- uh, copper, gold, turn it into graphene. You, there's other ways of turning it into graphene, the carbon dioxide. You actually mine the carbon dioxide yeah. out of the air and the methane as well. You take the methane out, turn it into carbon dioxide, and then turn it into yeah, graphene. Yeah, I mean, I got all into carbon capture back like 10 years ago. I was really, really into it. I was now, really interested. Now in the World Economic Forum is talking about nitrogen footprint. That the nitrogen 
nitrogen footprints too much. Or it's these, fu- these Dutch farmers, I think, they're trying to shut down farms because of the nitrogen footprint. Well, it turns out that there is a precedent to that that's very interesting, and we're going to go back into the conspiracy rabbit hole because there was a book in 1972 published by the Club of Rome called The Limits to Growth that is a Malthusian book. It believes that the human population is in excess of what the Earth can actually support, and it's only a matter of time till everything collapses. They predicted we run out of copper in 2000, by the way, so they weren't that good with their computer models that they did in the late 60s and early 70s. But in that book, it actually talks about, A, that we have to control the fertility rate so that we don't have too many people, but B, that one of the easiest ways to do that is to control the food supply because if there's not enough food, then there won't be as many people because people won't make babies when there's not enough food to feed them. And so then what you can actually need to control is the levels of nitrogen fertilizer. It's explicitly written in that book. Now you think, well, what's the connection to this? Well, in 1972, this book comes out, so what, right? In 1973, Klaus Schwab invites him to speak in the third annual World Economic Forum meeting at Davos, which when it was called the European Management Forum before it was called the World Economic Forum. Mm. 1974, they brought in a Brazilian communist priest, Dom Elder Camara, is this guy's name, or Camara, or Camara, or something like this. I don't know how to pronounce words in Portuguese, but it's spelled C-A-M-R-A. Um, Helder Camara was the uh, mentor, spiritual mentor to Klaus Schwab, he said, after he met him. And he was known as the Red Bishop. He was a communist. Uh, but he was also the mentor to Paulo Freire, who is the Brazilian Marxist educator, and it turns out also to Bergoglio, who became Pope Francis. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting set of people that are all involved. But Camara spoke in, in, in 1974. The Club of Rome spoke in 1973. And you see this kind of mixture of this kind of... It turns out Marx hated Thomas Malthus and his ideas. But you see this kind of mixture of Marxism and, and, and Malthusian ideas kind of percolating through the World Economic Forum. But nitrogen fertilizer, and the, the buzzword of the book is sustainability, by the way. Uh, nitrogen fertilizer and the, and the need for a sustainable world population is the thesis of that uh, part of the book about farming. And so I think that this nitrogen thing is, um, has probably other uh, agendas behind it. Of course, it can. You also, what? Which one was it? Was it Stalin or was it Lenin that said, "If you control the food, you control the people"? Mm. Um, Sounds like something Stalin would say. I think that was Stalin that said that. And so, I I don't know if Lenin was as murderous. I think you know. Do you think Stalin killed Lenin? I have no idea. I think he poisoned him. I have no idea. I do know though that if I were like really bad people that operate in this really bad people space. Not saying that that's what's actually occurring, but I would possibly consider manufacturing a famine and then offer digital ration cards that get you on your digital currency to buy food. And then you would say that people like preppers who stored food and became self-sufficient are people who hoarded food and that they're the cause of the food crisis. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you're going to have a, uh, what was Klaus's quote? Prepare for an angry world. And you're going to have a very angry world and at you, that point. You guys were close. It wasn't Stalin that said, if you control the food, you control a nation. Uh, it wasn't Lenin. It was Henry Kissinger. Oh, guess who? The guess great who? architect of the West. And oh, also, wow, literally, also literally the mentor of Klaus Schwab. Wow. 
Literally, he looked that up. It's Klaus Schwab's so mentor. He and Klaus must be working together to transition from the liberal economic order to a new world order. They must be. And that's the connection I've needed between the World Economic Forum and the United States is Kissinger and Klaus Schwab. Look them up. They're, they're, they're like two peas in a pod. Um, and it turns out that uh, China is the model. The Chinese system with its surveillance, the social credit, et cetera, is the social control model for the world. Uh, that's the practice run, which, by the way, right now seems to be, although it's hard to say because you don't know what's true coming out of there, cracking a bit. People are not happy in, in the Chinese system right now. So scary stuff there. He also says if you control the energy, you control a region. I believe this is all part of the thing. If you control the food, you control a nation. That's funny that we energy, thought it was Stalin and it's Kissinger. If you <laughs> control the money, you control the world. These guys. Why? What's Kissinger's deal? Was he like an American? Was he into liberal... Like the John Locke, liber- I don't think so. My guess is that he is what you would call an old Hegelian. So Hegel's cult of of uh, science or whatever you want to call it of of alchemy split into two groups immediately following his death in 1831. And there were the young Hegelians, and Marx was a young Hegelian, and uh, then there were the old Hegelians, and uh, they were kind of competing. They were basically the liberal and conservative versions. And so what the young Hegelians believe, just look at Marx and you can figure it out. What the old Hegelians believed is actually that the ideal system had been arrived at in 1830s Prussia, believe it or not, that's what they believed, and that the goal was to use the dialectical powers or method that Hegel had put forth to spread it around the world, which is what we would call nation building if we were, say, neocons today. So my suspicion is that the neocons, why are the rhinos so much like the Democrats, is because they're actually both Hegelian in their orientation. You have the, the, the old ones who believe that, I don't know, it's the end of history and the last man was the title of the 1989 book by Francis Fukuyama, that you're then going to spread democracy of the American style around the globe. You're going to do nation building and color revolutions and take over one nation after another in order to get there. And then, on the other hand, you have the Marxists competing with them as two sides of the same the same program. What is dialectic? You've mentioned that a couple of times. You said the dialectic nature. What is that? The dialectic is the combination of opposites to lift up to a higher level of understanding. So they'll they'll intentionally create an opposition in order to get something to the next level. Correct. They call it sublation in Marxism. Hmm. Wow. We're going to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Subscribe to this channel and share the show with all of your friends if you really are a big fan. And head over to, Tim, to TimCast.com for the members-only uncensored portion of the show that goes up Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. It should be really fun tonight with Dr. James Lindsay, who is was here. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, Chris never needs to speak again if this is the kind of content we'll get with Cast Castle. Bravo, Reactor. Hilarious opening. The one-liners had me rolling. Quote, just be careful you don't eat it. Yes. The first episode, uh, the next episode is going to be really, really good. I, I can't spoil it because they're all really funny. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is it was our guest and she did a bit with us that's really really good and um extremely esoteric but um it's gonna be really funny and then uh we we just filmed something with james which is really funny which i don't want to spoil but it, you know he was fighting chickens okay i think i just spoiled oh it, yeah but, he spoiled it but i didn't spoil exactly <laughs> I can only imagine I'm, I'm looking forward to this one this one's gonna be really funny <laughs> i made lots of friends he made lots of friends he did, yeah he yeah. did i don't want to i said too much already but uh but yeah a lot of funny stuff is coming and uh you know appreciate it all right, Logan Culver says, James, your speech at OK University on, mm-mm, I gotta stop. Logan, you said D-E-I? I don't know what that is. I know what D-I-E is, so I'll fix <laughs> yeah. it for you. He said, your speech at OK University on D-I-E, diversity, inclusivity, and equity, was amazing. I've listened to Lysenkoism part more than a dozen times, 
Everyone head over to New Discourse, New Discourses and subscribe. Cheers to one of my favorite guests on IRL. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, elaborate on what that was about? Okay, yeah. So first, the DEI I, thing. when you ask me to introduce myself, I always forget that I don't – I should tell people I have a website, which is newdiscourses.com. <laughs> That's the name of my company. That's the name description. of my podcast. You should probably go to that, and I appreciate it, especially now that I'm off Twitter and I appreciate the support. So, yeah, I had a guy. His name's John – or Mark Owsley is John Mark is his full name, Owsley, uh, in Oklahoma, who arranged for me to go during their diversity – inclusivity and equity week they had a week dedicated to it at at ou he arranged for me to give a talk on the subject at the university during their celebratory week of the marxist program and i just laid out that this is what this is this is a uh, equity is the goal equity is a rebranding of socialism it's an administered state that's going to redistribute shares to make citizens and groups equal that's socialism by definition okay and diversity and inclusion are the mechanisms to create uh, a, a set of commissars. Diversity means diversity. Hires for diversity who are experts in diversity. In other words, people who are political operatives for the program. And inclusion means that anything that uh, upsets those people has to be excluded so people feel included. Uh, kind of an inversion there of the meaning of the word. And so that justifies your censorship and purges. And so what you're seeing is the Sovietization of your university. And so, yeah, I let it rip in that. Uh, I really let it rip in front of that audience. And anybody wants to go find it, the audio is not awesome, but it's out there uh, when I went to University of Oklahoma in, Just, in just people, people really need to understand. It's diversity, inclusivity, and equity. Right. For die. Yeah. See, I actually will make a case for DEI. Because that spells Dei, which is God in Latin. Oh, yeah, oh that's, that's not right. an accident. Yeah. I don't think right. that's an accident either. But I do love when they throw J in there for justice and D-E- make it Jedi because they're such dorks. <laughs> oh. Dei is Latin for God. It's well, Deus and Dei. Dei. Yeah. yeah. Dei is though. Yeah. I know about you know Deus. Yeah. Dei. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. J e d i. Oh, what a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Sometimes they put an A in there for different things, and it's idea. Oh, oh nice. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or Jedi. I keep trying to figure out how they're going to get belonging, and then something that starts with N, which I can't figure out what it'll be, and it'll be Biden. Oh, yeah. I lo- yeah. <laughs> Help. But the justice, equity, diversity, and inclusivity, Jedi. Yeah, They're Jedi. like, don't you want to be a Jedi? Yeah, really. They're like, they're going uh, to go for wizard next. Oh. Don't, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> All right, Monumental Madman says, the fo- Tim, fourth super chat, please read, Ryan Flowers is gunning for Benny Thompson's seat in Congress. Would really love for you to have him on the show. He's an America First Republican freshman on a mission. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. OMG Puppy says student loans. The Democrats are giving money to their voters and taking it from the Trump voting working class. Also, hi, James. Correct. Yeah, I want to know where, yeah. where that money is coming from. That's part well, of the speech he didn't talk well, about. Well, no, no. It's fractional reserve banking. The money, the, the, the money is created upon issuance of the debt, of the, of the loan. They write the money into existence, instantly diluting the economy. Paying that money back is good for keeping things in working order. But as part of this, p- reducing debt by 10000 for every person, meaning that they're going to print $10,000 per person and give it to the colleges or no. the loan institutions? Or they're are they just going, saying, sorry, guys, you're not getting the, your ten grand back per person? So w- w- the people? The people whoever loaned the money, which is for me, which it was is like, like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, right, 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 institutions right. like that. Are they saying, you're just Fannie Mae, you're just not getting that ten k per person back? Or are they saying, we're going to print ten k per person from the Federal Reserve and give Fannie Mae the ten k? That's actually a good, an important question that's yeah, a big important know. question yeah. yeah are they are, are they like federal loans where they're like we're going to just forgive it and say you don't got to pay it back which does create problems on the system or is it private entities that did these loans and they're gonna pay them i want to know i wish biden yep. had told me in his speech where he talked all about it today mm-hmm. super helpful falcon laser says james what do you think of event 201 if you don't know what it is google it and read the first paragraph on the first link to come up 
I don't know what that is. You, you know don't know? That's where they simulated uh, the pandemic like mm-hmm. two months before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like oh. October 2019, they're like simulating what would happen if a coronavirus pandemic very specifically were to break out. And then uh, what would they do to get all the messaging on on par and like all yeah. of Yeah. So we're, we're lucky they did that. I mean, uh, it's you know, so they, fortunate. They, that, yeah. This is Johns Hopkins yeah, in was, partnership with the World Economic Forum and yeah. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, is it that, was just in time. Yeah, it was really remarkable. It was literally so just in time. It's yeah. just nuts. I'm grateful. What do I think about it? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> Who is it in partnership with again? Johns Hopkins in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Correct. You know, I trust those organizations Completely, I like. Wow, absolutely. We're lucky they're they're working here to help us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Doctor Roller Gator says, "Hi, James. This is oh, Gator. Yeah. Are you done getting in trouble yet?" Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> hi, Gator. It's not even Gator. in caps. It's this fake news. It's sad. I know. I agree. All right, let's grab what we've got. Mm-mm-mm. Hashtag free Doctor Roller Gator, so we don't have dead air. Seriously, yeah. John Kirsten says, "What people call double standard is actually repressive tolerance." That's right. It's hierarchy. It is, in fact them flouting that they have the power to have a double standard because they're entitled to feel better than you and they so they get to they get to skip the rules and you get to have the rules and it's 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 hierarchy it's not hypocrisy so when you have all these republicans that are come out and be like oh look at the hypocrisy actually all they're doing is like giving them you know like a slap on the back like good job guys uh you know the the left is proud of the fact they they actually do not your average like person your average wine mom doesn't feel this way but if you actually pay attention a lot of them fully believe that they are superior human beings yeah. what did what did sam harris say about the 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 so-called deplorables or whatever first of all they're called deplorables what did he say there was like was it 10 million absolute morons or something yeah. like that was his, his comment about what would happen if we didn't like condition democracy through fortification of twitter or whatever mm-hmm. like seriously <clears throat> James Eaton said, heard an ad on the radio that basically said not to do drug because, drugs because they could be laced with fentanyl. Got me thinking about the poison during pro, uh, Prohibition. Yeah, you guys know about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, what, what, what did they do? They, they put uh, menthol or, or what? I forget uh, what they put in. I don't know what they put in, but yeah, they, they laced people. booze with, with poison to make you go people blind. People died and went blind. Yeah. 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 I think it's menthol. Possibly. With alcohol. Yeah. Oh, uh, ethanol. Methanol. 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 Yeah, there you go. Methanol. Methanol. Oh, yeah, what did I say? Methanol? Yeah. yeah. Methanol. Yeah, not, like, not like mint oil. Not yeah. <laughs> not, not, no, that's not what Biden took stuff. took out of the cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Methanol. Is yeah. that what it is? I mean, that's yeah, freaking dangerous. Methyl, methyl alcohol. There's ethyl and methyl. Ethyl is like your Aunt Ethel. You can drink with your Aunt Ethel. Right. You can't drink methyl. with your Aunt Methyl. There is yeah. no Aunt Methyl. That's how I yeah. always remember. Methyl and then alcohol. Ethanol and methanol. Yeah, there's two names for the same thing. There you go. We got there eventually. Zereal says it's so simple. All of this Luciferianism, only a path from the dark to the light. Don't be caught up in the small steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same story as in Genesis 3. It is. It really is. Because it's Gnosticism, and that's what's in Genesis 3. And that's what that's what Lucifer, whether you believe in the Bible or not, or whether you believe in the, the Christian worldview or not, if you think of it as just a mythology, this is exactly what the myth is talking about. Mm-hmm. What exactly? Uh, everything that's happening where so if you look at Marxism as a theology what it's doing I remember I told you about Hegel with his absolute idea well Marx believes that man can become absolute man that remembers so for Marx I have to back up one instant the the idea exists in the head of man and so that's why he says that, that Hegel had it upside down and so you can have the absolute man who holds the absolute idea in his head so that man which is all man remembering that he's a species being or a communist uh a being that lives for the species uh, actually holds the absolute true nature of mankind. In other words, you can actually actualize man as God. 
and that the way that it works is through powers like the state. So in other words, occupying, you know, worldly authority, positions of worldly authority, because if you, if you understand the Christian worldview on it, God has absolute and true authority. Satan is excluded from true authority, and therefore he occupies positions of false authority uh, through deception and antagonism. And so the myth of what Satan or Lucifer represents is exactly characteristic of what Marxism actually Wow. boils down to it's, it's freaky how tight it is have you read revelation i have read revelation but you, i'm glad you, you didn't put an s on the end of it right what what, <laughs> what, do, what do you think about uh, what's going on today and people have drawn parallels between you know first of all let's be cautious we should be very very cautious with with jumping into not the discussion of it but of believing that now we're seeing end times play out this is and what the reason i say it is many times at other points in history people have said this and people have believed it and they've read the signs and they've been wrong now but, I would also suggest that I do, and I and I say this that I know this. There are people who have lots of money, have huge purses that are funding many of the things that are happening in the world that seem very nefarious. Um, you can look up, for example, Ronnie Chan and see some of the things that he's f- purchased and funded. Who actually believe it is they're in a they're kind of a Christian offshoot cult, and they actually do believe that their objective is to trigger right the rapture by wow. doing by doing the things in Revelation, and so. Some of these things may be coincidental. Some of these things it could possibly be. I wouldn't jump. That's something that I think should be met with tremendous skepticism in general, of course, without even dipping into the fact that I'm not religious. So I, I don't. I, I watched an interesting, an interesting lecture on it, and they explained that it it may not be a, a, a prediction of the future. It may have just been been a description of societal issues that occurred that they were explaining. Like these are the things that happen when bad things are like like when your society is falling apart. Basically, it was saying, of course, many people believe it's prophecy, the word of God. It's a prediction of what's to come or how it will come. But it may have actually been looking at what had happened already and saying, here are the things that take place when your your, your civilization is falling apart. What is it like frogs raining from the sky and stuff? I don't know. No, no I don't no, think no. that. No, Those there's like the, the, the no. There's like in order to buy and sell, you have to have a mark on your hand and forehead and stuff like that. Yeah, and then the the you know the the. Four horsemen of the apocalypse come riding out and you know visiting calamity on on man. That there's and that, that, and, that and that could be metaphorical. Yeah, yeah it sounds like, like a fever dream. Literally, or like a psychedelic. No, 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 no. It's it's literally a translation of a translation of a translation that may be saying like, hey, when your society starts breaking down, you're going to see famine, death, war, and these things. Yeah. And they metaphorically refer to them as the four horsemen. Got it. Not yeah. that they're. But then people read the stuff and they literally believe that there's guys in the sky on horseback going, yeah, and like you they're know, picturing just, the legend of Sleepy Hollow or right. yeah, exactly. pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is with 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 people that are operating within that kind of alchemical mindset is that they actually do believe that they they could they can take a, a roadmap like the Book of Revelation and manifest that thing in the world, and so they it's like reading Reve- there there are people who have read the Book of Revelation and have decided that that is a strategy a political strategy, <laughs> and. It would not be surprising to see many of the features of that come into the be- come into being if they've read that as an instruction manual. All right, Kent Uger says, James, do you notice any parallels between the U.S. today and 1980s Soviet Union? Senile leader and recalcitrant member states: Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, acting a lot like Texas and Florida. It's a great word. It's funny because that's happening at the end of the the Soviet Union as it's kind of winding down and. and falling apart and it's kind of happening at, at the front end of whatever's going on you know if, if if the world economic forum is what we fear it is and it captures power then we're at the beginning of a new 
like super Soviet or USSA or whatever we want to call it. And um, we're USSA? actually USSA, yeah, United Soviet States, States of, of America. America, yeah. <laughs> and so now, what what we're kind of seeing then is is it's kind of playing playing its role backwards. I don't know. There's parallels all over the place. I actually firmly believe that they're combining the kind of Soviet tactics, uh, top-down control, public-private partnership, et cetera, with the kind of Maoist tactics that are bottom-up and cultural revolution. So that's your bottom-up and inside-out transformations. And I'm using those terms, by the way, top-down, bottom-up, inside-out on purpose because that's when Van Jones was the green jobs guy for Obama. That's what, He went on TV and said, this is our strategy, is top-down, bottom-up inside out transformation we wow. have control of the top down and he said we need you guys to be the bottom up and the inside out i want to do a correction it's ussa okay united so- uh, socialist soviet states of america yeah we need more s's mm-hmm. yes. yeah <laughs> but it's run by klaus so we have to use that s it thing in german oh, the yeah. what the double s thing that looks like a broken b oh yeah, yeah it looks like a goofy beta from the greek letters yeah i like that all right, Tyler Price says, "Yo, yesterday I searched for Timcast music on YouTube, and the second search result was Will of the People by Muse." Really? LOL, love the show, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, we had talked about that a, a while back. That um, the first song we put out was in 2020, "Will of the People" by Timcast. You can check it out on uh, YouTube. And uh, just recently, earlier this year, Muse announced their album "Will of the People," and their ad for their song is like a live action remake of our song, and it was just like. The same name, the same color scheme, the same themes, the same uh, illusions, people with hoodies on pulling down the statue with an orange sky and throwing ropes. Even the timing of how they threw the ropes, because we did an inversion trick where it's like we showed the future and then the past. They did, too. And then we were talking about how, like, we were working on this album with a bunch of songs, and we do. And um, I think ultimately we decided it was it was we just want to do our thing because we were talking about, okay, we're going to be releasing our album, Will of the People, on the same time they are because their album's coming out on Friday and our song is being released but I, we, we just, there's a lot of things that came into play. One, I don't care to be involved in any kind of whatever dispute it is they're trying to do. But now when you search for our song, you get Muse. Like, I feel like that was intentional. Like, that's, they're, they're a major label band. They know that we had gotten several million hits and there's a free ride coming, you know, whatever. Uh, but you know what? We, we're going to do our own thing and just, just steer clear of stupid drama. So, well, I'm not. I thought the song was kind of crap, dudes. You guys, it's like the beautiful people, the will of the people. I mean, it's just a ripoff of Marilyn Manson. The song. Is. That's what everyone and was your saying. color scheme on your song, "Will it's, of the it's, People." It's, it's crazy. It's not just the color scheme. It's the action. Our, our our video starts with an orange sky and ropes hanging from a statue, and then people in hoodies are throwing the ropes over it. Yeah. And then the next scene changes to the statue not being pulled over, and then then the ropes get thrown, like we did an inversion on the time thing. And and their video is like I would say it's eighty five percent the exact same thing. That's the, uncanny. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel any of that and say this political philosophical space like I certainly wouldn't ever believe that people listen to what I say and then like three to four weeks later put out, you know, basically the same video like they thought of it or, you know, write the same book like they thought of it. Is it never a year comes later. up nuts if that happened? It, was, it, it would was, be crazy if that happened. They released the promo like a, you know, they released the promo on my birthday, right? They released it on yeah two months ago. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was like it was my birthday. Your, your birthday or like the day before? I, no, I'm pretty sure they released it on. Uh, look up the Will of the People promo. It's March 9th, I'm pretty sure. June first is when the video went live. Right, the promo. The promo. I'm pretty sure that was like a copy. So this, this is the crazy thing where I'm like, dude, there's no way that was an accident. Yeah, that's the same name, same colors, same themes, similar characters, same time like time uh, theme. On my birthday, they released it. It's kind of like mm. I'm a big fan, dude. 
But it's things like that where it's like, should I believe we live in a simulation or are they just ripping me off? I mean, ripping off is the, the less burdensome. It's a more parsimonious assumption. Yep. Can I find the date? Five months ago. I'm pretty sure. I, I think right. it was on Twitter. You know, whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I was like, wait a minute. That was my birthday. On what? It's like a very strangely strategic time to do it. There's no way. Uh, it's yeah, not like I don't know how that's an accident. All those things lining up. Well, accidental. like why that? Why that particular weekend? And and the thing is now, like if you search for Tim Cast Will of the People, which we've been you know promoting, especially now with the release of the next song coming up, uh, Muse comes up instead of us. That was mm-hmm. what they did. It's like okay, great, mm-hmm. whatever, man. Is it weird to have this like major band trying to ride your coattails? Well, I don't know, man. I'm a fan of Muse, um, but I think one thing is clear. Let me read this. I never says Tim's new single only ever wanted is coming August 26th. Uh, man, the left is really, really reacting to this. So we, but, but no, this is interesting. And actually I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. So we put a promo up on, uh, on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram, and it's got like 800, like almost getting close to a million uh, views on, on just the promo, which is just really crazy. I mean, but on Twitter, all the left, all these leftists are coming out and they're attacking it relentlessly. (laughs) Yeah. My view is, you know, it's partisan. They hate you. They don't care what you do or why you do it. They're going to rag on you. But one thing I think is that they're genuinely threatened by this. What we produced is major label quality, general interest music. It's not political at all. That's a big threat. When you make a song called FJB, that's fine. It stays within the confines of, of, the, the, of, of the current culture war parameters. No one who makes an FJ, a song called F Joe Biden is likely going to convince a Democrat voter to support them because they approach them as an enemy. Mm-hmm. So these Democrat voters instantly see it as a weird right winger. We made a song that is completely apolitical and just, I uh, uh, the, the the promo came out and people are uh, saying it's like emo or whatever. I'm like, I, th- I think that's probably a fair assessment, but the song itself is nowhere near that because that, that part is just like a small portion. Yeah. Most of the song is like ambient, soft, you know, pop. Um, I think it's similar to like Cosmic Love by Florence and the Machine. Okay. But, um, what I think, and you, and you heard it. Yeah. I think they're genuinely threatened by the fact that we here at Timcast are actively producing apolitical content that will be attractive to regular people. Oh, yeah. That's totally something. I, I mean, I don't know, but I, that 100% makes sense to me because the idea that you're going to attract people who are going to think, wow, you know, this song really hits. I like it. Who's this Tim guy? I'm going to look him up. Oh, he has a show. And, you I'm gonna know, watch it. I'm going to watch it. Oh, wow. He's saying some interesting things. That. You know, narrative control and keeping people in their silos is really, really, really a big important thing for them. It's a very important issue to keep people, you know, to where, you know, well, Tim has this huge following and, you know, James has his following, but it's only their fan, like, keep it isolated, keep it, keep right. it contained. And something that goes general interest, you know, it's really, I mean, it's like how, how viciously I got attacked when I went on Dr. Phil, because mm. it's like all of a sudden I did something that hit, you know, you're in the mainstream. mainstream. In the mainstream Regular yeah. people are seeing you as normal and approachable. I don't know if they this saw is, me as normal and approachable. Well, and I think the book. left sees themselves as the arbiter of art, right? They like, have to be, yeah. You guys can't produce art because, you know, if you're moderate or conservative, like, you're not you're not correct. You They have to be in control of art. So the fact that you would make a song is threatening to them. And it's like, not you're political. using their material. Well, this is what they it's control. It's that same mechanism. That's right. It's because if they could, whoever the artist is general, general mm-hmm. appreciation, it gives you emotional feeling, you know, you, you connect to it and then you're going to come back and see who created it and you're going to find out what they think and that's something they're terrified of. If you actually read their theory, you know, even these essays I mentioned by Marcuse talk about the need to control aesthetics. Aesthetics are everything. Aesthetics are so important. There's they a, there, really want to have, have control of art. 
There's a big challenge, too, in how they paint people as negative things. They say everyone's alt-right or far-right. But what happens... So so here's an example, right? So I showed that tweet from Vosh where he was like, I make a million dollars a day. Clearly, he's not serious. And then I tweeted something ridiculous. There are people who immediately took that tweet and said, Tim Pool opposes debt forgiveness, even though I have never opposed debt forgiveness. I have always supported student loan forgiveness. I have always just had, like, here's a practical approach. I agree we should do it. Here's how we can do it. But they only ever respond to me as if I oppose it, because yeah. in their world, it doesn't matter if I'm for it or against it. I am against the revolution. Therefore, I must be in opposition to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they want to lie about you. They want to control the narrative of who you are. No what kidding. If, what if... And I'm not saying we will, but what if Timcast Records someday, maybe Friday, maybe not, produces a billboard hit? All of a sudden now, the establishment industry is going to be like, okay, what is this song and why is it, you know, making the top charts? It's hard for you to control the narrative when regular people don't care about your narrative. When they're just like, I love that song. That song's so cool. Yeah, but that guy's a fascist. What? Like, imagine if people were like, dude, don't listen to Post Malone. That guy's a fascist. Yeah, right. They'd be like, what? Post Malone's great. (laughs) That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. You need to get into cultural spaces. That's, that's, that's a big play that we're trying to do. And uh, the Daily Wire, clearly, with movies and everything as well. Right. All right. Paul Thonkam says, PBS did a special where they got a, hack to, a hacker to hack into a car. The only connection was Bluetooth device plugged into cigarette li- to a cigarette lighter. Oh, my. Yikes. Yep. That's crazy. Joseph McFarland says, all vehicles post-2009 have varying degrees of telemetry installed, which can be remotely interacted with, even to your detriment. No off switch. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the future, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Attack says, fools, nitrogen is not needed. Plants need Brondo, because it has electrolytes. That's right, I electrolytes are plant proof. You mean like water from the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> Logan Davis says, Tim, you guys have to check out Sandman on Netflix. Legit. The death episode of Sandman is one one. of the best things I have ever watched, ever. I just, have you seen it? No. There's, there's annoying, like, woke stuff. It's like, whatever. I don't really care as long as it's not, they're not beating you over the head with it. It's fine. But, uh, the episode on death was a masterpiece. Yeah. I didn't really care for anything else except for that episode. That, I mean, it really feels like a short film that is so interesting and it's just worth the watch. I, can't say you should watch the whole thing, but definitely watch that episode. I think if you uh, if you uh, have you have you watched the Orville, I know what it is. You should watch it. I should watch lots of things. You should. I it's, keep telling it, everybody I don't watch anything. But so so I did Seth, see Seth MacFarlane. Uh, though, I think Seth MacFarlane has now done three episodes on why it's wrong to transition kids. Oh, has he put out a new one? There was a well in this season. I think there's two, and in 2017 there's one where they transition a baby, and Seth like Seth's like you want to perform a gender change. Sex change surgery on a baby? That's unethical. And they're like, in my society, it is completely ethical and we should do it. And he's like, I won't let you. I won't let the doctor do this. Then the kid grows because they, they lose because this culture is allowed to do it. Then they do an episode this season where the kid's like, this is not right. I don't want to be this way and wants to detransition. And so they agree, like, we're going to help. Then the next episode is the planet is trying to kidnap. They're, they're trying to smuggle women off the planet to stop them from undergoing child sex changes. It's like... You know that the transitioning of baby things is literally where gender ideology or actually gender identity started. That's what John Money did. Yep. Right. That's literally what John Money did. Yep. Uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane's parents taught at this prep school near where I grew up called the Kent School, and it was one of the early independent boarding schools to approve of a like official trans student policy. So I'm, I'm wondering if this is something he's seeing reflected in like the school he graduated from. 
All right, let's uh, let's grab a couple more. Tyler Price says maybe Muse did it to try and send their fans your way because of the name, and it was released on your birthday as a present. Haha. Ha. Sure. <laughs> well, it created serious market confusion for us and uh, makes it harder for people to search for the song, which they're telling us over and over again they can't find it because Muse buried it. And uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, the imagery of it is 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 this, the color scheme. This, if I told you, hey, I made a song. It's uh, it's called Will the People. Check it out. It's uh, the image is like an orange sky with like a statue being pulled down, and there's people throwing ropes and hoodies. You'd go, oh, okay, and then you'd find Muse. That's amazing. There's no way that was an accident. That was a dick move, guys. Mm. Anyway, Waffle Sensei says, hey Tim, kind of random, but I wanted to know, did you watch the new Dragon Ball Super movie? It was so good, bro. It'll take you back to the good old days. I almost did. I was at the I was at a mall and they had it playing, but nobody else wanted to see it. But uh, I'm a big fan. I'll check it out. I heard its power level is over nine thousand. <laughs> All right, let's see. Waffles goes on to say, but how do they procreate in Sandman? The lore is amazing, but literally everyone is gay. How do they procreate in this world? That's actually a really funny point. Um, in the show, I think, what is it, 80% of the characters are gay. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Well, gay men can have sex with gay women. But I mean, the, the, it's just like, I don't know if that's how it is in the, in the graphic novel or whatever, but I was watching it and I was like, okay, now hold on there a minute. Like, I have no problem with, uh, uh, you know, when they have like a black actor play a character that was originally white, like I don't care about that. Actors can play whatever they want to play, unless it's and uh, unless it's part of the character's, character's identity. Like if you're doing the Grand Dragon supervillain who's a clan member and you make it a black actor to play it, I'd be kind of like, hey, I maybe mean, that's not a good idea. But mm-hmm. if you make all of the characters by choice gay, then I'm just like, I, wh- wh- why? Like it's just it's just it's just weird. Mm-hmm. It's just you weird. know, like you know, I I actually think it's it would be better if. There were straight and gay people, like you know, representation or whatever. I feel but like it's, it's weird a, when it skews heavily in only one direction. It's, it's not representation; it's overcompensation. They feel like other you know productions haven't had enough uh, gay representation, so they need to go out of their way to make sure you can see it. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and share the show with your friends? Head over to timcast.com, sign up, become a member. We're going to have an uncensored members-only show coming up at about 11 p.m. You don't want to miss it. And uh, check out TimCast Records on YouTube. You can search for it right now. Thir- uh, Friday at 12.01 a.m., the music video will go live. And uh, if you're wondering why that is, it's because we're learning as we go, and that's when Billboard starts tracking music. And I'm not I'm not going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be top Billboard or anything like that. It's like, no, but at least we're going to you know make sure we're, we're uh, you know working in the system, how they track songs and doing all that. So in the event we do release a good song, we can get more attention for it. But I think it's a really good song. I think you're going to like it. Carter Banks did an amazing job, and I'm really excited for it. And then, uh, actually, the version, the promo that we have up has a, a, a rock ending. You know, it's kind of heavy. But we also do have a lighter version, which is going to be going up at some point as well, which is more like piano, violin. And uh, once you hear the song, it's like the promo actually doesn't do it justice because it's a very, very different song. That promo is just the ending of the song. So anyway. I like it. I like I liked the song. Yeah, it's like it was, good. It was like ambient. It's our first review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the song is mostly it's just like good. ambient. James. I liked the song, James Lindsay. I like the song. It's good. That, it's that's good. proof. That's, that's proof. It. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and Put that uh, on the album. Yeah. You know, ultimately, what it comes down to is a lot of we've seen a lot of bands release political songs that clearly get play, and that's good because it pushes back on culture. But if we can start producing regular mainstream appeal music and it starts dominating, we're going to start shifting narrative control. Yeah, the reason why Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Ohio was so good is not because it was about the Kent State shooting in Ohio. It was because they were doing four-part vocal harmonies and the melody is incredible. What I'm saying is, just not to, to prattle on too much, if we can 
you know, strive to be the best and we start getting, you know, positioning in, in the music industry, it will force the culture to talk to us. It will bring them to our corner where we get to share these ideas and it will appeal to regular people who will be forced into our corner. So I mean, one of their said, hypotheses is that everything's political. So if you make something apolitical, they don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Falls right outside of their paradigm. Oh yeah. The lyrics are very, very simple. It's just a song about, it's like, it's like a song about relationship. Just yeah. your, your typical old song, like something like Adele would write. Anyway, James, you want to shout anything out? Yeah. I mean, since I'm no longer on Twitter, uh, don't go there. Uh, just leave that place because <laughs> it sucks. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Use Twitter all you want. Uh, but it does suck. That's true. I am at Conceptual James on the other social media platforms. My company is New Discourses, newdiscourses.com, and uh, at New Discourses on social media. I should have, within a month or so, another book coming out. If anybody's excited to learn about how education got stolen, and I literally mean that we've had our education stolen from our children, the title of the book is going to be The Marxification of Education, and I'm aiming, you know, middle of next month by the latest. So uh, hopefully we can get that going. Right on. I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. You should check it out every day. Click on the read tab to see stuff from me and our other writers. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at HannahClaire.B. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm Ian Crossland from IanCrossland.net. Follow me anywhere on social media. And just to get that, the name of your book that's coming out next month or thereabouts, what's it called? The Marxification of Education. Mm. Cool. All right. Thanks, James. Great to see you again, man. Yeah, man. Very cool to have you again, James. We just read Cynical Theories. That was an amazing book. Excellent, excellent work on that one for sure. I'm excited you're having another one coming out soon. Um, thank you all for joining us tonight. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sour Patchlets as well as SourPatchlets.me. I just got a craving for 7-Eleven nachos for some Oh, reason. no. Oh, no. So, guys, it's road so trip. Something's mind we'll do the numbers only from 7-Eleven. <laughs> all right, yeah, bye. Fasting. All right, everybody. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.